the dream team. Adam, Bobby, Josh, you got the news feed. It's the big three. It's the dream team. Big three IDP. Let's go. What's up, you diehard, you degenerates, you lovers of defensive football? This is Josh Raymer, and we are back with another episode of the Big Three IDP Podcast. And I am bumping in StreamYard tonight with Bobby Reynolds, Adam Markham, and joining us once again, it's Lord Ratty at Fantasy Guru Bro, Ben Ratty himself. Thanks for joining us, Lord. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. I didn't think you would after last time. <laughs> but no, for real, love the big three. I always love coming on here. And um, we're working on some big things at the Fantasy Guru Bros. So we're starting up the FG Bros website in a couple weeks. Um, we got some really great writers. So shout out to them because they're obviously the ones who are making it possible. But yeah, just trying to dump some content on you guys when everyone's bored and go from there. Oh, Benny Boy's going to be with us every week now because of that uh, that thumping intro we got. That's right. And if for those for the uninitiated, that was Lord Ratty on the ones and twos here on the new intro. I think we've been hounding him since like we started the pod like last July, uh, like July 21st. And I think July 22nd, we were basically beating down his door to get us a new intro. Um, so if go check out the XFFL pod, Lord Ratty also did the intro for the podcast that gave birth to this one. And we just knew we wanted, we wanted like a banging intro to, to bring the big three and Addy, what better episode, uh, to drop that new intro than our 50th. Yeah. Big five. Oh, congrats boys. Yeah. Bobo, you're the closest in age to 50. So, um, it's a big milestone. It's a big deal. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, if it weren't for for Josh, me and Adam probably wouldn't be sitting here at episode 50. We'd probably be at like 28 or 25 or something. But, you know, here's to you, Josh, for really, really pushing me and Adam. Well, I think you guys would say cracking the whip, um, you know, recording, recording unnecessarily many weeks. Uh, but it's all for the brand, baby. And speaking of the brand, not only do we have the new intro from Lord Ratty, we got this fire-ass new cover art that you should be seeing on your podcast player. Addy, why don't you walk us through the the concept uh, behind, you know, that that gave birth to this new cover art? Yeah, a little drip report. I mean, I, th- I think the, uh, you know, we, we started getting some Funko Pops for the Soad Shack. That was kind of just that we wanted to fill out the Soad Shack with some, uh, you know, with some some cool stuff. So we started with, with Funko Pops. And, um, yeah, uh, I, t- I had one request. You know, this was Josh's idea to, to do this. Um, but I had w- one request. I wanted mine to be, ex- you know, extremely dripped out. And uh, I think everyone's going to see that's that's what's happened with with mine. So I'm very happy with how it turned out. These things are sweet. I want I need I need like an actual Funko Pop of me now. I was telling Bobby, I think there's services out there like people that have 3D printers. If you send them a design, they will make it for you. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to do that. I, I was you know I was thinking maybe should I get like. You know, one hand have a monster's can and the other hand have like a a, a, beer, a founder's can or something. I thought about that, like introducing this props for each of us, but I thought it may Some get a little, little hectic. Um, yeah. So, yeah, walk us through, Addy, the drip on your guy here. So he has the, the headband. Yeah, so he's got the headband. Uh, then he's got the old school Big Three logo, the uh, the original. Um, and then, you know, he's got the eye black. 
obviously if we would have if we would have had helmets he he obviously would have had a visor a but, sick uh, visor for sure <laughs> yeah so uh you also notice that the right arm is completely purple that uh that's because he's got an arm sleeve um <laughs> And then uh, another detail that we added. So he's, he's number 84. So that doubled for Irv Smith and, and Randy Moss. Of course. Um, and then on the shoes, we have AMJ, which is, I don't know if you've seen Odo Beckham's shoes, but on his shoes, he has OBJ. So this is, <laughs> so this is Adam Markham Jr., my little fun girl. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, these are not your initials, Adam. Like, why are we putting AMJ on these yeah. shoes? And when he explained yeah. it, I was like, oh, this is beautiful. So yeah. if you know, yeah. you know. If you That's know, right. you know. Deep in your heart. Yeah, you knew. Um, so I liked that the artist was able to capture my receding hairline. I thought he nailed uh, the goatee. Uh, so I'm rocking the Colts uh, color rush, all blue, with the uh, number 32 for Edger and James. Probably my all-time favorite Colt, and also my number in middle school football when your boy scored a 90-yard touchdown. Let's go. So yeah, so that's that's the inspiration <laughs> for mine. I thought of a nickname for yours. Ooh, um, please tell me, Edger and. Rames. <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna workshop that one, but I like where I like where your head's at with that. That's not bad. Thank you. Oh man. I, and, and then Bobby, what was the inspiration for yours? Yeah, so mine is obviously ninety nine, Mister A D, uh, Aaron Donald, and I kind of went with the old school uh, Eric Dickerson style, uh, larger shoulder pads. He's got the collar. Um, he's he's in a defensive position, which is pretty awesome. But the I guess the telltale sign, same as uh, Lord Ratty actually said to me earlier, the the swoop in the hair. You know, I've got it a little bit. I got the quarantine cut right now, so I don't have a whole lot of hair. But when it grows out, it it gets a little cow licky and uh and the uh, the artist nailed it for sure for sure so we can't wait for you guys to see it it looks awesome we'll actually be changing all of our twitter avatars to our funko pops because we got those individual um artist renderings as well the biggest note is that josh has the ball which is you know pretty telltale to the to the podcast yes sir yes sir double meaning <laughs> that's right that's right uh so we hope you guys enjoy it we'll tweet out a picture of it whenever we drop the link to the sode uh but 50th episode just felt like the right time to give the show a facelift so uh, other big things are in the work but for our 50th episode uh those are the big things that we were teasing on twitter so hopefully you guys enjoy gentlemen we have a jam-packed episode tonight we are going to be hitting on the AFC East, which is why our our friend Mr. Ratty is here. He is an almost, almost lifetime Dolphins fan. And so uh, every week we're going to be doing these uh, previews every other week. So every preview we're going to be having a guest on to help us break down this division. And unlike previous pods, we're going to be doing both offense and defense. And we're going to be touching on every fantasy relevant player on both sides of the ball so we addy we won't be getting any of these whiny like posts of like you didn't talk about so and so this will be literally every single player of note on these squads i'm yeah. sure there still will be we'll miss someone yeah for sure. <laughs> some like eight string linebacker yeah. someone's been stashing for years <laughs> now, now people are going to try to find people buried on the depth chart to bring to us just to be annoying so don't do that we will not respond to you in fact we will block you and report mm -hmm. you to the fbi at sneeko 
Yes, yes. <laughs> just just pump the brakes there, Nico. Um, so, guys, before we get into the um, the AFC East preview, let's do some news. There's a few pieces that we want to hit on here. Uh, Addy, why don't you kick this first one off uh, here for us? It is regarding your Minnesota Vikings, and it's not necessarily great news. Yeah, so seems like Dalvin Cook's going to hold out um, if he doesn't get a new deal or one that he think is uh, that he thinks is reasonable. Um, I saw where. Uh, a lot of people are saying what's reasonable. Well, I think he's shooting for like 13 million per year. That's kind of the, that's kind of what I think he's hoping for. I saw he would gladly accept that. <laughs> I saw uh, that too. <laughs> so I would gladly uh, accept 13 million a year as well, just to be yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that Dalvin's going to hold out, especially with the new CBA and everything. Whereas if, if you miss training camp and preseason, you actually get fined, uh, you know, pretty substantially. And also, um, if he does hold out, he's not going to get an accrued season. So he'll be back in the same boat the next year and would, would have lost out on all the money this year. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I do think we're going to see probably some type of deal get done. Uh, Minnesota, their GM is, is very creative with, with the cap. I think you've noticed that they've been handing out, you know, a lot of deals over the last three, four years. Um, and, and, and the guy we have, you know, that, that deals with our cap is, is pretty brilliant in that regard. So, um, I think they'll, they'll make, they'll make it work. Um, and, and, you know, I went viral this week, boys. That you did that, <laughs> with your, uh, with your Dalvin Cook trade. That, uh, that tweet blew up, Addy. Yeah, it was the, uh, you know, the, the biggest tweet I've ever had personally. Obviously, we had the, uh, the Kalu tweet. You know, but this one, this one had like 120 likes on it. So, uh, Gosh. yeah, it, it was, it was hard to stay humble there, you know, for, for a day or two. But uh, I, I don't, I think you have failed immensely with staying humble. Uh, just, just being the one to actually put this in the dock and bring it up. I think I commented and liked with my main account, my fantasy burner, and then fantasy guru bro. Thank you, Ben. Just Thank to you. just That's get a rolling. That's a real friend. I didn't even like it. I just looked at it. I liked it in my yeah, heart, but not with not not with my thumbs. What the hell? You were hating Bobby uh, retweeted and liked. What's your mm-hmm. deal? Uh, I just I didn't want to contribute to your overinflated ego anymore. Uh, I just couldn't do it. Change the ad around. Give Adam the ball. Yeah, there you go. Hey, Addy, though, the, your boy is going to have to get creative uh, creative with the cap. I'm looking at their situation right now. They've got about $12.2 million in cap space. Yeah, so, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, but uh, I got faith that they'll get it done. Um, I would you, I would assume that you could give him just a big signing bonus and keep his cap number down for this year, and then maybe move some money to future years or something. They're gonna have to get creative. Yeah. Do you want to do a quick little who'd you get with this Dalvin Cook trade? Yeah. Let's let's who'd you get this baby? Okay. So I traded Dalvin Cook. Uh, I'm sorry. I I traded Terry McLaurin a 21 second and Sony Michelle for Dalvin Cook. Wow. Yeah, that's very nice. I mean, you know, McLaurin's the piece that you're kind of like a little iffy on, you know, in terms of does this deal make sense? But you know, we've talked about before, Dalvin is potentially, if he plays, which I think, I expect that he will. I don't think he's going to hold out. I don't think he's going to go the Melvin Gordon route. If he plays, he should, if he stays healthy and he plays, should have a top five, top six season. 
I just don't see a world in which that's happening for McLaurin. So, um, you know, dynasty wise, you know, maybe McLaurin's the better piece to have. But man, if you can get one of those running backs that are top five, top six potential, I just think you have to pull the trigger on that. Yeah, that's kind of where I was at as a team. Um, I was, you know, my my second best running back was Sony Michelle, and so now I've paired Dalvin Cook with Christian McCaffrey. Um, so nice, very that's a nice combo. That. But you know, there was there was a few people in the comments that that would just uh, they just commented a simple like you lost <laughs> or you know something. Some, They're all Ohio like State that. fans, right? But you know what I kind of want to touch on with that is. No one knows who won or lost this trade yet. I mean, McLaurin does have a pretty high ceiling. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are saying he's going to be a wide receiver one. I see him more as a wide receiver two. Um, and also I don't really, I don't really trust Haskins. So I think that quarterback situation could be murky for a little bit. Um, but when it's kind of, I mean, based on the likes of the post got, I think most people thought that I, won the trade but <laughs> but no one knows man i mean yeah. it's 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 dumb to comment really won or lost just because mclaurin definitely has a high ceiling sony michelle could get a lot of volume this year and that second round pick as we saw this year in this draft those can be really nice if, if you if you get the right guy yeah i think it was a good trade and it, you know sometimes trades are just good trades they're equal trades and there doesn't necessarily have to be a winner or a loser. And that's how I feel about that one. Maybe that team, you know, is fine picking up. Maybe they do see McLaurin as a wide receiver one, you know, so it makes sense for them. But think about yeah. that trade in terms of like, what if Dalvin and the holdout like isn't being talked about at all? So let's say a couple weeks from now, a deal's done and you're like, gosh, like Dalvin's going to play this year. What does that trade look like at that point? Exactly. That's that's where I'm almost like, if he does that, do I immediately put him on the trade block and see what I can get? You know, try and break break him down. Because I think he does flip. have risk. You know, he definitely does have risk. Injury but, risk, uh, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I'm going in. I'm looking at this trade through the eyes of he's going to play um, unless he gets hurt. You know, um, which he's done before, but. I don't see I think this is like a Ezekiel Elliott situation. Um I just don't see a world where the Vikings don't have him on the field. I know they like Alexander Madison, but different, this, this different will, this, totally different yeah, players. Different player. This will get done. Even it will get done as in um Dalvin Cook will come back to the team or they will get him a new deal. So let's uh, look at the second piece of news here, Benny Boy. And this is perhaps your new favorite player in the league. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders running back Lynn Bowden had his house raided. Uh, ben, were there, I think there were maybe drugs or guns drugs, that were seized. So drugs and a ton of ARs. And man, I got to tell you, before this story happened, I loved Lynn Bowden. Just the fact that he was a wide receiver and then his team got so quarterback thin that he had to become a wildcat quarterback, leads them to a winning record in a bowl game, then goes on to punch his, uh, the other team before the game, then punch his own coach pretty much, and then drop 250 yards, two touchdowns, and a game-winning drive to win them the bowl game. <laughs> so I already loved him. And then he shows up and does something like this. He, he's a drippy player, that's for sure. He was repping a huge chain in college. I don't want to speculate how he got that money, considering the raid. He's been, we we yes. might know now. We might know <laughs> where that money came from. He's been, a, he's been a trap king for like three or four years. 
he's tatted out, you know, some of the dopest tats I've seen. I, I was, I was trying to, t- I took a picture of him from his brawl and the chains and tattoos alone. I was like, that's 50 K minimum worth of jewelry and tattoos. And so, yeah, I love Lynn Bowden. I think he's a great player too. I hope he gets to come back from this. Um, it is the NFL. So it's just a few guns and a few drugs. You know, <laughs> it's just a trap house. You know, it's not like, um, you know, a Roquan Smith situation where there's cocaine and dead hookers involved. So, yeah, so we'll see. Right, I well, might be picking up a Bowden jersey soon. We'll we see. Yeah, we did. yeah you, ha- you need to get that Bowden jersey for sure, Ben. We, we did see his mom make a statement that this was, I mean, uh, you know, obviously what she what else is she going to say? But she said this is all a big misunderstanding. And well, there's plenty of fall guys. He has like four buddies there, and I'm sure one of them is going to take the blame. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. he'll get a nice bonus off the second contract if Lynn Bowden signs one. Oh, yeah. Ben knows what's <laughs> up. Ben knows how this world operates. You, you, you're, you're cluing us in here, Lord, and we appreciate it. So mm-hmm. this was uh, Youngstown, Ohio was where this happened so it's dangerous there yes and what is he doing i mean i know is that where he's from originally i guess that's where his family is yeah okay gotcha because i was like he goes he's now a las vegas raider he was playing in lexington kentucky so what's he doing in youngstown i forget these guys come from somewhere before they go (laughs) to school so um all right gentlemen that is uh basically all that's happening in the news right now So uh, let's dive into it. The main course here, the AFC East preview, and we're just going to go in alphabetical order. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to read uh, the projected starters, and this comes from a great series over at NFL.com from the Around the uh, Around the NFL podcast, Greg Rosenthal. If you go to NFL.com slash projected starters, he's gone through every team in the league and projected out their starters for week one. So we're going to read these guys off, and then we're going to go through and talk about guys that we're targeting and where we expect them to finish uh, you know, for the fantasy season. So, you boys ready to jump in? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. So, starting with the Buffalo Bills, projected starters for offense, Josh Allen at quarterback, Devin Singletary at running back, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley at wide receiver, and Dawson Knox at tight end. On defense, you're looking at Ed Oliver, star Latulale at defensive tackle, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison at defensive end. Our babies, two guys we've talked about a lot, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds at linebacker. Tredavious White, Josh Norman, and Teron Johnson at cornerback, and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde at safety. So, fellas, let's start on the offensive side. And this is a guy that I feel like may be a little bit polarizing in fantasy circles when it comes to not necessarily his fantasy upside. I think maybe he gets a little more flack as an actual NFL quarterback. This is Josh Allen. Addy, kick us off with where you see Josh Allen this year for fantasy. Yeah, I think Josh Allen is going to potentially be a top five option this year. Um, a lot of that has to do with his ru- uh, his running ability. Um, and then also, I just like that they've upgraded his weapons. You know, Stefan Diggs is not going to hurt. Cole Beasley is going to be a nice addition. Um, I mean, he was already uh, really good last year without those guys. And also, Zach Moss, you, you bring in another guy that can, you know, uh, side note, that rushing attack is, is going to rival. Uh, in my opinion, you know, teams like Baltimore, um, Arizona, uh, I, I think I think it's going to be right up there with one of those teams because as as we'll get to, I, I like Zach Moss a lot as well. 
Yeah, Ben, it looks like do you have some concerns about Josh Allen for dynasty purposes? Yeah, so for redraft, I'm drafting him pretty confidently, but this is the same guy who year after year would draft Blake Bortles, and he would return top 10 quarterback finishes every year. Granted, they do it different ways. Bortles wasn't as big of a rushing threat as Allen is, but I truly see a lot of comps there, you know, and Bortles was a guy who led his team to a championship game, so he had that playoff clout that Allen now has. That kind of, some people think, excuses all, but I don't know. I would be worried that he's not the long-term solution but for this year yeah give me josh allen yeah josh allen is i'm looking at him sort of like qb8 that's when i was like ranking out guys that's where i said okay right now i would take him as the eighth guy off the board um i don't know if he's a guy that's ever going to win you a super bowl just because he's so turnover prone uh but i do agree they've just upgraded all the weaponry so he should have a better year if he is the answer at QB uh, because he should be improving. Bobo, I know you owned Josh Allen at one point, didn't you? Yeah, I feel like so. Yeah, Josh Allen's sweet just because that rushing upside gives you like a, a pretty high floor. You know, he's got a high ceiling, but he's also got a pretty high floor just because of, you know, I don't know, 50 yards a game maybe is probably a, a standard for him. Um, he's got quite a bit of rushing touchdowns too, but uh, – just a little over 3,000 yards last year, 20 touchdowns and nine interceptions. So I see probably about the same interceptions, but I would think he would throw for some more touchdowns this year. Surely with digs, surely that's got to help. Uh, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Josh Allen fan. All right, let's look at Devin Singletary here. So I've got Singletary for this year. I like him as a back-end running back, too. I do think Zach Moss being there uh, hurts his upside. So I've got him pegged somewhere between like maybe 20 20 to 24 range, because this is a team that wants to run the ball. Uh, Ben, where, where are you kind of, what's your thoughts on Singletary this year? So where I am with this backfield is I'm trying to avoid it where I can, but it's the type of year where I feel like I always end up running back needy, even if I draft running backs early. And so if I have one of those teams that's like RB needy, I think they're really good players, both of them. So I'm drafting them and hoping for an injury, but I'm not really excited about either of them while they're both on the field. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Addy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um pretty similar uh i'm probably gonna avoid for the most part um especially singletary i'm not gonna target him because for one i think moss is gonna go later than him because a lot of people don't know him uh and especially in your home links he's gonna be someone you can get like in the you know last few rounds but he definitely has humongous upside if if, if something happens to uh to devin but I don't know, man. I, I just thought it was, you know, Devin was an obvious fade this year. I did, I did probably four of those startup drafts this offseason, uh, before the draft. And just a single tier was going like in the fifth and sixth round. And I mean, that, that was just to me the most obvious fade, uh, you know, of the offseason. And, and I don't know that to, the main point here is do not trade or overvalue running backs like that, especially ones that don't have the draft capital. Um, because you'll see, you see them, we see it all the time. They get replaced, you know, even though, you know, Singletary was pretty solid. He averaged 5.1 yards, you know, a, a carry, uh, he still got replaced, uh, or, or, you know, he's going to at least split, split time. And I think you're going to see that going forward with a lot of these backfields. Yeah, Bobby, as we look at the Devin Singletary, what are, what's your temperature on him right now? I mean, 
Last year, he only topped 100 yards once. Um, the 5.1 yards per carry is pretty nice, but he only had two touchdowns on the year. Um, so I'm 100% with you guys. I think that people are reaching probably too high for him right now. And especially like we're talking about in redraft, the guys that, you know, in your home leagues don't know about this Zach Moss character, um, don't have the draft capital. Singletary. Man, he could be a fine buy because he did have a couple games last year. He had one game last year. He had eight receptions. Another game he had six. So he does catch the ball some, um, but he's definitely not worth a fifth or a six-round grab. Yeah, I do like his game. I mean, he, he's pretty fun to watch. He's he's really elusive. He, uh, you know, I like the way he, he has a lot of jump cuts and stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be murky, especially also Josh Allen's going to, you know, take away some touchdowns there too and get his own rushing yards. That's the problem too, is that, you know, you, a lot of people kind of want to relate, uh, you know, Josh Allen and Lamar, you know, as a running style quarterback, but like, you know, Baltimore runs the ball a lot. Like, uh, the Bills run the game through Josh Allen, but he throws the ball quite a bit or he'll keep it and run. So, um, yeah, I mean, Zach Moss is an interesting character like we'll talk about next, but I don't really know that I want to reach too high and, and grab for him kind of as Ben said, just trying to avoid that backfield when you can. Yeah, let's let's transition here to Zach Moss. Addy, kick us off on this guy. Uh, what are you seeing with old Zachy baby? Yeah, I mean, I really like Zach Moss. He's not the most athletic guy, but, you know, he, he's a really balanced runner, good through contact, and actually he's a pretty decent receiver. Uh, he actually caught, I think, 28 balls last year for Utah. Um, but he's just a really solid all-around running back. Um, and, and I think that he's going he's gonna to definitely play that Frank Gore role, role there. And uh, I think he's immediately going to command probably 10 to 15 carries a game. Um Frank Gore had 166 carries last year. I think wow. he's gonna. I think he's gonna be uh, past that. I think I, I see him like in the 200 range. And again, I think that uh, you know we we might be surprised at, at how good of a pass catcher he is. Yeah, Ben, what are you thinking on Moss? Yeah, so I know PFF had Moss graded really highly as both a rusher and a receiver, and I I trust the ranks for the most part, even though sometimes they kind of skew toward the David Montgomerys who break a thousand tackles and then gain three yards. That gets you a really good PFF grade, but... If I was going to pick between the two, I'm definitely taking Moss because from what I saw in college, I thought if he landed on, let's say, the Bucks, I thought he could have been the workhorse somewhere. And so Singletary is, is very good and very good in a specific role where I do not think that they're going to be able to separate from each other. But I think if Singletary gets hurt, it's not going to be more, like sometimes a guy gets hurt and you think you're getting a workhorse and then they start bringing in random guys off practice squads and getting them 10 carries a game. I don't think that's the case with Zach Moss, if he ends up get commanding that backfield, he's going to be a workhorse. So that's what I'm taking upside wise. Love it, Bobby. Are you are you doing what Addy said here and basically fading Singletary and trying to grab Moss maybe later on in a like a startup? Not really. I don't think I have Singletary or Moss owned anywhere. I think Moss is a fine have. Um, I just kind of I don't want to deal with him. Just to be honest with you, seems to be very committee ish. Yeah, I agree. And you have Allen in there rushing as well. So it seems like that pie is going to get split a lot of different ways. So let's talk about a guy here that I know Addy wants to own because he does own him, Mr. Stefan Diggs, Mr. Drip King himself. Addy, kick us off here. Diggs is obviously in a new place. 
here in Buffalo with Josh Allen. Obviously, we've heard all the concerns about Josh Allen, you know, spraying the ball all over the field. But what's your what's your uh, take on Diggs right now in uh, in Buffalo? You know, I think it's kind of going to be similar to what we saw in Minnesota with with uh, with Diggs. Um, last year, he had sixty three catches for. Uh, 1,130 yards and six touchdowns. Um, so, you know, I think the reception could actually go up maybe a little bit. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I know that we do love that rushing attack, but, um, maybe we see, maybe we see Josh Allen throw the ball around a little bit more. Like Bobby said, you know, I, I expect him to have more passing yards than 3,000. So, um, I don't know. It's just going to be interesting to see how this pie is split just because John Brown was, was really good last year and someone that I've always liked. Um, and he has, he does kind of have a similar skill set to Stefan Diggs, but, um, but Diggs is, is, is definitely going to be the alpha there. Um, but you know, I, I think he's still going to be probably a, a back end wide receiver too for me. Diggs, Diggs was second in the NFL and, um, and uh, yards per route run. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, I would anticipate more than 63 receptions this year, even with the other pass catchers there and the rushing volume. Um, I don't think Diggs was was brought in to be this kind of low reception guy. I think he was brought in to be that missing piece of the offense that, you know, you had John Brown and Cole Beasley, like one rung higher on the ladder than they should have been. And now they're getting to slot in as the two and three with Diggs as the alpha. So, yeah, I see him as a, I agree, Eddie, back in wide receiver two, somewhere in like the 18 to 20 range is where I'd be looking at him. Ben, what about you? So I love the landing spot and I love Diggs. So that's how I'll start. But my words with him almost have nothing to do with Diggs himself or the situation. It's just the fact that time and time again, I've seen great wide receivers come in and even wide receivers who had great stints with their next team. The first year always seems to be a little bit of a struggle. And people kind of underrate that when they're looking at guys like even Hopkins, I'd say. But people who are coming into a new offense and need to learn it. I think Diggs and Dynasty, I love him. I think by the end of the year, he's going to be doing better than he was doing in Minnesota. But I would not be surprised if it's a sparse start to the season, which that was one of my uh, points for John Brown. But we'll save that for later. Yeah, Bobby, what's uh, what are you thinking on Diggs? Do you own him anywhere right now? No, I don't. Um, I would. I love Diggs for this year. I think I think Diggs to me has top ten potential. Um, I get what Ben is saying. You know, a new year in a new place. But you know, Josh Allen has been there. He's had time to develop. I think that Cole Beasley and John Brown are gonna um, gonna suffer a little bit because of Diggs' presence. Because Diggs is better. I know John Brown has a similar skill set, but Diggs is a great route runner. Um, I really, really, really like Diggs for twenty twenty. I, I I would reach a little bit for him just because of, you know, kind of like we talked about. We don't want to buy Singletary. We don't want to buy Moss. Freaking Diggs is the one you want to buy in this situation. Yeah, and, what you know, what if Josh Allen takes a large step and, and suddenly he's like a 4,000-yard passer or something like that, and you have Diggs in Dynasty? That's going to be huge, man. He's, he's going to tear it up. So a uh, lot of optimism with that team. I agree. Just run go routes a whole game. Just go. Go routes. 
Just throw it as deep down the field as you can, Josh. We know we let's see if you can throw it a hundred yards. Mm-hmm. Also, by the way, on that, have y'all seen that uh, OBJ? That video came back up on Twitter again this week from him last year at that practice uh, practice field. Did he really throw that ball a hundred yards? Y'all remember that when he doesn't have a shirt on, I, he comes out of the I end zone. It. Probably. It looked like he did to me. I mean, it wasn't really a scenario any quarterback could be in because it was such a dramatic kind of like step into it. But I think it, I think it was, if it wasn't 100 yards, it was 80 minimum. Dude, he, I mean, he chucked that ball. Was he's this a, a freak. He's like a this, great soccer player. He's a great football player, obviously. Was, he can throw it. He can punch it. Freaking hot. Yeah, was this a Michael Vick Nike commercial situation where we literally had friends ask us before, did Michael Vick really throw the ball out of that stadium? Yeah. Or Jamal <laughs> Charles when he threw the ball to himself and then caught it. You guys saw that one. Greg Olson like, yeah. puts his arm through drywall and catches it on the other side. Yeah, exactly. So, pick me for your fantasy team. There you go. I love those commercials. Yeah, so let's hit on these next guys here pretty quickly so we can get over to the defense. So what I'll do is for both these guys, just tell me if you're targeting these dudes at all and where you're looking at them just in terms of your team makeup. So let's start with John Brown. I see wide receiver, like back end wide receiver three potential. Uh, so if I'm looking at John Brown, that's where I'm going to grab him. Ben, what about you? If I'm a contender, I absolutely love having Brown because, like I said, I think he might start as the wide receiver one when Diggs gets in. But I want him as my last flex or a bench flyer or a bi-week fill-in, and he can win you some weeks that way, but don't rely on him. Yep. Addy, what about you? Yeah, uh, I'm fine with him as you know, kind of a flex play for sure. I got him super late in one of those startups that I did, um, and that's probably going to be the norm for for most people. I'd say you'll be able to get him pretty late. Mm. Yep. Bobby? Yeah, yeah I would. Same. Ditto. Sounds great. All right. What about Cole Beasley? Are y'all catching a case of the Beasles? Ben, we'll start with you. Uh, PPR bye week fill-in only for me. I don't even know if he's that. Yeah, I have him as maybe his upside is like a wide receiver four in fantasy, but I do agree. I think he'll be valuable in PPR leagues. Bobby, what maybe about you? Maybe return a punt. What was that, Benny? Maybe he'll return a punt or kick. I know he did that in Dallas. There you but- go. Yeah, I have Cole Beasley as a wide receiver one this year. I just moved Julio the other day for him. So <laughs> good call. Yeah, great call. Yeah, it's yeah. the hair. I think the only thing I like about Cole Beasley is that he has the same name as uh, Pam Beasley from The Office. So there's there's that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Addy, what about you? Any uh, sitcom connections you want to throw out here? Um, let's see. Michael Beasley was uh, what NBA player? He um, was. Yeah, played for the Heat. <laughs> now he's homeless, a crackhead. Sorry, Michael. That's not Michael Beasley. That's not Michael Beasley. Delonte West. Delonte West. Delonte West, yeah. Delonte James. Yeah. I'm going to catch a libel lawsuit, dude. You mean LeBron's dad? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, stepfather. All right, so let's talk about Dawson Knox. Not a guy I'm targeting in any of my leagues. Ben? I always want to have, like, two tight end flyers on my team so he might be one of those for me but can show flashes but that's all he is wait a couple years maybe he's something all right bobby what about you any interest in mr knox he's interesting but i don't really care to own him all right addy what about you yeah he's cheap and free i mean if you have room for him on your bench sure but i'm not going out of my way to acquire him 
Yeah, maybe a good taxi squad guy. Ben, talk us through... A lot of good tight ends this year. Yeah, there is. There really are. So, uh, Ben, talk us through these couple of rookie wide receivers here. So, Gabriel Davis is a guy who I like. I don't know much about Hodgins, but um, Davis put up really strong dominator rating. He was at about 30% of his college market share went to him. He's a tall guy. He ran in the 4.5. So, he he checks a lot of boxes for me. It was kind of almost surprising that he kind of fell where he did because he seemed like a guy who might be kind of a third rounder maybe. So I like him. All right. And Addy, did you put Isaiah Hodgins here in the dock? Yeah. Uh, he's a seventh round pick. So, I mean, you know, who knows if he even makes this roster? Um, I mean, six, four, 210 pounds. Um, he's not the fastest guy, but has a, you know, pretty good catch radius. Um, we'll see. I don't, I don't know that he, he is going to be around long. Um, I like, um, I like Davis better. All right. Well, let's look at some defense here, fellas. And we're going to start off with a guy that is near and dear to my heart and my squad. But unfortunately, I uh, was being a knucklehead here during quarantine. This is Ed Oliver. Um, my feeling on him right now is that um, I definitely saw, um, you know, defensive tackle one, you know, top 12 potential for Oliver. I think he might just miss out on that now because I think he's going to get probably – like a three-game suspension appealed down to two or maybe a two appealed down to one. He's going to miss some games because of this. Uh, the NFL does not look kindly upon this. So, uh, Bobby, what are, what's your temperature right now on Oliver, given all the legal stuff going on? I would go buy him right now, honestly. Um, sure, he's going to get slapped on the wrist for a couple games, but, dude, he showed some talent last year. Jordan Phillips is out of the way. Um, I really, really like Ed Oliver. For 2020, he'll be fine. I mean, it's going to suck for a couple weeks but he's still a young guy still developing but he's going to be an upper tier defensive tackle for for you know the foreseeable future to me yeah addy what about you yeah, I agree. It's a it's a good time to buy him because this was someone that you know I was I was saying is going to have a major breakout this year before all the gun stuff happened. Uh, but I mean that still doesn't really change much. Uh, he's still he's still going to be one of the better interior uh, defensive linemen in the league. Um, big fan, and he should have an opportunity for more big plays. I mean they that that defensive line is 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 going to look a lot different than it did last year, uh, and he's going to be counted on to be a large piece of it. Yeah. Ben, what about you? Yeah, so I'm saying the same tune as you guys. Buy him now if the owner's panicked. If you have him, hold him because the best is yet to come. I can remember a time when people very legitimately said Ed Oliver was going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And so he's that type of prospect. Um, I think he will probably have more of a leash than a Lynn Bowden will with these gun issues because he was such a high pick. And so I think it's the perfect buy window. So, yeah, that's, that's what I do. I agree. Go buy him if you can, especially in a dynasty league, uh, because, yeah, the best is yet to come. Hopefully he gets his head screwed on straight and this is the last time we see stuff like this happening. But let's uh, let's move down now to the next guy here on the list. This was a dude that we talked about with Joey on the 
preview pod, AJ Epinesa. We've talked a lot about AJ. I think he is a great grab in dynasty leagues. I'm not necessarily um, counting on him for production this year, um, but if you can grab him, stash him on your taxi squad, uh, maybe trade for him near the end of this season, anticipating a 2021 breakout, that's how I'd be playing this. Addy, what about you? Yeah, I mean, he certainly should have an opportunity. You know, no more Jordan Phillips, no more Shaq Lawson. Um, but I don't think he's going to get over 500 snaps because um, even Shaq Lawson didn't get over 500 snaps um, last year. So um, I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to be much. You know, I, I think you're right. I don't think you, you should count on him at all this year, but uh, definitely a, a nice long term, long term piece. And that's a nice uh, up and coming line, too. Yeah, Bobby. What? Uh, what? what has, has your thoughts on Epinesa changed at all this no, offseason? Never been, never been a real big Epinesa guy. Even in watching his tape, um, had a pretty rough combine. I think he ran like over a five second forty. Um, I never thought he was very quick. Um, he may develop. I just it's not somebody that I really want to go and reach for right now. I think there's a yeah. reason he slipped. A lot of people were projecting him as a first round pick, and he slipped down into the second. I think I think there's a reason for that. Yeah, so a guy that he could be potentially brought in to replace is Jerry Hughes, uh, the former Colt who's had sort of a resurgence there in Buffalo. But it looks like his best years may be behind him in the XFFL, our big play league on the Reality Sports Online platform. He finished as the DN53 last year. So not a guy that I'm going to be targeting, especially in drafts. Maybe as like a bye week fill-in, depending on how the season goes um ben it seems like you may be on the same train here yeah he's definitely a past his prime guy i remember i actually signed him the xffl going into last year because i think he was like nearing the top 12 with his performance the year before but they're bringing in younger guys all across that line it's kind of clear the direction they want to go and i would be surprised if jerry hughes is on the same roster at the start of next year so yeah, I would agree. Addy, any interest? Nah, don't care. Not going to be All targeting. Right. Won't have him Bob. anywhere. Bobby, same? Same. All right, so let's look now at the next guy here. And this is a guy that um, when I looked up his finish was surprisingly high uh, in our league last year. This is Mario Addison, the new Buffalo Bill, was DN24 last year. So I like him as like a high-end DN3. I don't think he's going to see that same type of finish this year with uh, all the talent along that defensive line, but he could be a nice uh, kind of like third DN, fourth DN fill-in kind of guy. Addy, what do you think? Yeah, he's fine. I hope I'm never in a position where I have to start Mario Addison. So, please God, no, don't let me be in this spot. Uh, Bobby, what about you? Yeah, he's a flex play if you need him. Flex play. Yeah. But All right. Don't, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> don't do that. Ben, Ben, are you uh, feeling the same way here? So, I I like Mario Addison if you're a contender. I when I was watching him, you see it, he has this weird thing where he's one of those guys where every like four or five games he goes back to when he was 23, I swear to God. And he can, and he puts up a game like he used to when he was in his prime. And so I think if you just have him on your team as, you know, your fourth D end and then a bunch of stuff goes down, you might luck in along those big weeks from him because he still does show some flashes, but he, he's nearing the end too. Yeah. So 
Potentially, it sounds like maybe a flex piece guy here, but let's get to the linebackers here. This is a conversation we've had a lot this offseason, guys, but I want to start with Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, I believe he just got his driver's license at 16 years old, so we're very happy for Tremaine. Uh, but seriously, just ridiculously young still. But um, Addy, I think he's a guy that may be getting a little overdrafted right now. Yeah, I completely agree, um, especially in redraft. Um, and yeah, Dynasty as well. I mean, this is a guy you're going to have to spend an early pick on, and you're going to have to take him probably, you know, he's going to be a top three linebacker off the board. Um, and while, yes, I don't think he's played his best football, I'd, I don't think he... I don't think he's as good as like a Luke Keekley or, a, you know, Levante David or... or he, he certainly is is probably the most athletic out of all those guys, but um, he just doesn't have some of the intangibles, at least not yet, that those dudes did. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, obviously I'm a I'm a Tremaine owner, but uh, I'm only an owner in in leagues where I was able to draft him in, in rookie drafts, just because the price has just been too high for me. Um, I mean, you're going to have to at least pay a, a first and a second to acquire them in, in your IDP league. So uh, that price, I don't think, really matches his production. I think we're all kind of enamored with the the dreads and the drip and, uh, you know, the athleticism. Oh, yeah. Um, but, and, and, you know, he's a fun... It, I like having guys like that on my team. You know, I, I do... I don't mind having those dudes. If, if I have... If, if I'm loaded up and I want to, you know, get who I want... I'll target guys like that, but uh, the the production isn't matching where he's going in drafts. I think this is a guy we need to start looking at, um, and this has been a tough shift. But this is this is not a guy I'm comfortable with as my linebacker one. I think he's a great linebacker two to have. He finished as the LB twenty three in the XFFL last year. I suspect he'll be closer to a top end linebacker two, somewhere in that like fourteen to sixteen range. Uh, but uh, Ben, what's your temperature on Edmonds right now? So he kind of reminds me of like a Jadavian Clowney type of guy where he came into league and just built so much name cachet that like what I know people who seriously consider him a top five linebacker asset, top three. And so I think while that name cache is still there above of the production, I'm looking to trade him if I have him and try to cash in on that. But I think if you're a contender and you know, you have a pretty nice team and you're not looking to move defensive pieces, he's going to give you solid production. He's going to put up LB one weeks for sure. And probably finish. I think yeah, on the fringe LB one LB two. So I definitely like him, but I, I think you got to get in on it while the name value is still super, super high. Yeah. Bobby, are you going to buck the trend here? Or are you with us on Tremaine? Y'all are trashing Tremaine like he's a piece of junk. It's making me, <laughs> making me mad, y'all. Adam, I can't believe you're uh, letting Josh say he's a LB3. Did, did, did Josh did say that, Josh? No, I said he was yes, a, he did. A, he'll be a he'll be a high end LB two. <laughs> he said three. Okay, no, 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 no. Cut, cut the tape back on again, Bobby. I'm gonna Jeff Okuda your ass right now. Dude, I, <laughs> if y'all are selling Tremaine, you selling to me, I would love to have Tremaine. Um he does need to kind of develop a little bit more in like the sack 
forced fumble interception category. He only had one interception last year and one and a half sacks. He's basically just stacking up a bunch of tackles, but he was solid. I mean, 20 points, 15 points, 13 points. I mean, he had some really good games. So you also have to take into consideration him and the guy that we'll talk about next. So there's not going to be an Ed Oliver. There's not going to be a Jordan Phillips. We're talking about a Hughes that's already older. There's going to be a bunch of freaking tackles to be had because you're going to be plugging a bunch of new AJ Epineses in, you know, a bunch of rookies that don't know how to tackle or don't know how to, you know, shed a block or whatever. So I think Tremaine could really take a step this year while y'all are maybe fading him. I think, I think this could be his, his year to shine, but kind of like Adam's talking about, it is hard to buy Tremaine right now because the public eye is just so, so bright on him. Yeah, and just uh, for comparison purposes here, of course, his linebacker mate that we're talking about is Matt Milano, who finished just 12 spots below Tremaine last year as the LB35. I had some Milano um, cookies. I was going to be eating them while we talked about him, but I ate them all. <laughs> yeah, Who has some of the XFFL? It's Matt Milano. Ben, yeah. do you? I think ben does. He, he offers it. I should have yes, known, known if he was asking. So Every third uh, round pick last year, Ben was like, hey, that 304, you want Matt Milano? Hey, with that, that's with right, that 309, that's right. how does Matt I sound? do remember this now. I do remember this now. So, um, yeah, I think uh, Milano, you know, LB35, so he was just on the outside limit of that LB3 range. Um I'd rather pay the price for him uh, than overpay for Edmonds because I think you're going to be more than likely surprised by where he finishes compared to where he's been being drafted. And I don't think that's going to be the case with Edmonds. Um, I, I could see Milano maybe out, you know, outdoing his finish from last year of LB 35 and finishing even higher uh, in the LB three ranks. Ben, as the Milano owner in the XFFL, how are you feeling about his 2020 prospects? So I may be totally getting confused on the seasons here, but I'm pretty sure he missed at least a game or two last year. So that LB35 number might even be a little bit higher for him. Um, I really like him. I think when I watch him, he excels in coverage, which is what I want to see from Tremaine Edmonds. So I think they really are kind of a good compliment. I said I think Milano's the type of guy who might get a pick or two. I know he's gotten picks for me in the past. And so he just seems to always be around the ball. And so especially in a big play league, I think Milano is a guy who will win you a couple weeks. He'll put up some solid production. And I could see him being an LB too. And I think he's done it before in the XFFL, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so Bobby, obviously the 304 wasn't enough to get it done with Milano, but uh, where where do you see his value right now? Have y'all seen pictures of this dude? He is a good looking fella. Oh yeah, he's Matt hot. Milano. Oh yeah, my yeah he's gracious. stunning. He's stunning. <laughs> oh wow, stunning. I can't even think right now. Um, yeah, Matt Milano had the same amount of sacks as. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, but he also had one more forced fumble and one fumble recovery. Um, dude, I think Milano could be a great have for this year. We're sitting here talking about, you know, the tackles to be had just because of the, the change of the, you know, guard there for the defensive line. But I love Milano still only 25. Um, yeah, he's a great, he, I agree. I think he could be a solid, 
LB2 this year, for sure. And I, one more point on Milano, too. This is one of my biggest hopes as an owner is he's approaching the end of his deal. And I could see him being a guy who performs well enough behind Tremaine that someone says we want to give him our LB1 role. Like what happened with Kwiatkowski for three days or whatever <laughs> before they got Littleton. Yeah, that's a great so point, I, man. I love him a dynasty. Also important to remember Milano, this was, you know, I think in 2018, he broke his leg there at the end of the year. So, I mean, he was probably, you know, slow getting going last year. Um, and, I, and I'm sure he's, he's completely recovered now. So, yeah, I think, like Ben said, Milano's really good in coverage. So he's going to stay on the field for all three downs. Um, and in fact, looking at PFF, uh, coverage grades, uh, Milano was at 83.3, whereas Tremaine Edmonds was a 52.5. Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at pictures of Matt Milano. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, just wow. Speaking of which, I do want to tease this. This will be a segment that is coming up later this summer. My lovely wife, Allie, has been doing research. Like She was out on the back porch with our son researching today the hottest players in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. So she will be bringing us a full report on the hotness factor, helping us attract those female listeners. I think we have like maybe uh, 0.1% of our listenership right now is female. So maybe we can get that up a little bit with a uh, hottest defensive player segment. So look forward to that. Are you guys only doing defense because it's so obviously Jimmy G on offense? Or if you do the whole league, it's just so obviously Jimmy G that you uh, got to only do defense. He's not, he's not my type. <laughs> what, dark, handsome, tall, beautiful? Nah, don't like any of that. Don't like any of it. All right, who, who so. do you think's the hottest, Bobby? <laughs> uh, this is a tough one. I don't know. I, I have to TBD. TBD. Yeah, Bobby's like, oh, Vince Wilfork <laughs> is uh, moving the needle for me pretty well. Um, huh? So moving, moving from physical hotness to um, hotness at his position, we got Tre'Davious White here at cornerback, a guy that I feel like um, may be the best cornerback in the league. I mean, you got Stephon Gilmore, obviously winning uh, Defensive Player of the Year, but Trey Dave's a guy that I've loved for a long time. I don't. I think he gets slept on just by virtue of the fact that he plays in Buffalo. Uh, but I'm going to be looking at him as a cornerback one this year if you're in a CB required league. As the CB one? No, just as a CB one, oh. like a top twelve guy. Okay. Woo. Yeah, I'm not getting that. I'm not getting that hot and bothered. Tre'Davious White. Um... Yeah, I mean uh, he's a he's a nice option for you. I mean the the myth that you shouldn't target at number one cornerbacks that's kind of you know that's that's not really a thing. Um, they they're still very productive, and actually, Davis White was a top ten option last year. So um, and we saw that with a lot of those number one cornerbacks. Gilmore, same thing. Um, obviously, you know it probably don't want to count on that year to year, but. Um, yeah, I don't think that you should really pay much attention to, you know, oh, they're, they're number one receiver. They're not going to get targeted. That's not really the case anymore. It's the same as Milano. You know, Milano's good in coverage. The same with White. You know, when you've got these guys who are good in coverage, they're obviously never coming off the field, which gives them one more opportunity to get some type of stat. Yeah, and typically they're actually good football players and they know how to make plays and stuff. So, Josh, did you say that he was the best corner in the league? Did you just I think say he's. That? I think he's one of the best. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Yeah, who's, like who's St- Stephon best? Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore, probably. I mean, defensive player of the year. I mean, that's he's he's got the belt right now. Uh, I but I think Tredavious White has been top two, top three for a while now, and just gets slept on a little bit being in Buffalo. I got gotcha. you, Ben. He's so. disrespecting your boy down there in Miami. Yeah, I know. So for me with White, <laughs> I'm always like with cornerbacks. What I'm really looking for is cheat codes because that's the best way to get performance at the position. So in our league, that means you find a cornerback who's getting return yards, or you find someone who's likely a safety who's labeled as a cornerback. But in terms of just pure corners, Tre'Davious White has been one of the biggest producers. And as a rookie, he was actually one of those Chico guys, in my opinion. He put up almost 200 points in the XFFL and was, I think it was him and King, who was a punt returner, were leaps and bounds above everyone else, which is why I gave him a pretty good deal. So he's had two out of his three seasons, I believe he ended up as a top 10 corner in fantasy. And one of them, he was the overall top corner for us. So he's one of those guys who can be a cheat code for you even if you don't do return yards or have a weird designation loophole so i love him as a cornerback one yeah it looks like his uh his kind of cornerback mate here addy uh josh norman might be a guy that you're looking at as a sneaky play in cb required leagues yeah definitely i mean you know i really like that secondary and i think that norman may be the weakest part of it. So I could see him getting targeted a lot. He's always a, a corner that has pretty high tackle numbers um, just because he seems to have like a nose for the ball. But um, yeah, I like Josh Norman. I think he's someone that can be very productive next year. It's funny how you want to target these, you know, these, at, they are one point elite corners, shut down corners. And it, it's funny how at the end of their career, they're like gold for, for IDP. You can finally start playing them. Yeah, the skills slip a little bit and the targets start coming their way and they get those tackle opportunities. That's probably the stat you want to chase for most IDP guys, but especially corners because, you know, if you're trying to count on the passes defensed or the interceptions, that's just hard to predict year to year. But tackles, that's a pretty good indicator because corners, if they start to slip and start to rack up tackles, probably are not going to get a lot better uh, and see fewer targets as their career goes on. So maybe one of those sticky stats to pay attention to. So um, I did not realize this. Bobby, do you still own Jordan Poyer in the XFFL? No, I've traded him at some point. So I did not realize until I looked it up, we'll kind of wrap up the bills here, that he was safety four last year. That really blew my mind. We knew Poyer's great for IDP purposes, and I think he'll slip a little bit, maybe into like the 8 or 10 range, but in my mind, he's still a top 12 guy. Do you agree, Bobo? Oh, I think he's still a – I think he's a top 10 guy. I mean, I really, really like Jordan Poyer. He's really consistent. You know, he's only missed one game in the last three years. So when you get Jordan Poyer, you know that you can pretty much expect a 14, 15, 16 game season, which is a big deal. Um, and Poyer's kind of cheap. I mean, Adam can probably tell you a little bit more just, you know, ADP wise, but he's not a Derwin or a Jamal that you're having to pay up, you know, several rounds for. And, uh, dude, you get production out of Jordan Poyer. And I'm not even worried about his age. I think he's 29 right now. Um, the age doesn't bother me. He showed that he can, you know, st- steer clear of injury. Um, I'm fine to draft him as a safety one again for this year. Yep. I mean, he's he's just always been underrated. I think he's, you know, this is like maybe the third year in a row he's finished in the top 12. Um, so, yeah, there he's he grades out very well every year. 
Um, and we could definitely see those tackle numbers increase because, like Bobby mentioned earlier, that line's going to be, you know, it's going to be pretty new. Um, and they're going to, you know, the continuity is really those linebackers and the safeties. Um, so, so yeah, I think Poyer, go ahead and book it. Another top 10 year for him. Yeah. So that concludes the Buffalo Bills, fellas. And Lord Ratty, it is time to talk about your favorite team, uh, the Miami yes, Dolphins. Sir. The hope springs anew with uh, Tua coming to you guys there. Now, be honest, you you were watching the draft, I'm sure, uh, along with most of the rest of uh, you know football fans across America. What was your reaction when they took Tua? I I was ecstatic. I mean, that was the guy we'd been tanking for all year, and it just feels like things kind of fell into place this year. Like Burrow going to Cincinnati makes so much sense, but to me, Tua just seems like the type of guy who just fits well in Miami. And so I really, really like Tua. Um, as long as he can stay healthy, I'm super excited. And yeah, I think me and pretty much any Dolphins fan were pretty ecstatic on draft night when he was there. Yeah, so Tua, I don't think right now is projected to be the day one starter. Um, so let's run through the projected starters for offense and defense and see where guys are going to fall. We can see if there's any disagreements here. But on offense, Fitzpatrick at QB, Matt Breida, the starting running back that Greg has, uh, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and Albert Wilson at wide receiver, Mike Gusecki at tight end. Uh, you've got Devon Godshaw and Christian Wilkins at defensive tackle, Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba at uh, defensive end, Cal Van Noy and Jerome Baker at linebacker, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, and you're going to have to help me with this one. Any idea, Ratty, on Noah's last name? <laughs> On whose last name? Igbenogamy. Oh, yeah, Noah Igbenogamy. Okay, yeah, (laughs) that one as well at cornerback. And then Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain at safety. So um, let's start with offense again here, Lord Ratty, and start with your presumed starting quarterback if you think Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be the guy week one. Is this a dude you're interested at all in as far as uh, having on your team week one? So for about, I'd say four or five years now, this has been my take. When Ryan Fitzpatrick has a starting spot, you want him on your team. He's going to lose that spot, but he's also going to put up a 40 burger before he does. And so the like, you, he needs to be owned in all leagues. I wouldn't trade for him. You know, don't spend your huge waiver bucks, but get him on your team. And if you're a contender in a super flex, definitely get him. And Tua's going to surpass him. Maybe, I mean, if with the injury stuff, he might even get a full 16 games out of him. So, yeah, just enjoy the ride while you can. It may be, you know, three or four games, maybe the entire season, depending on how Tua's hip is looking. But, uh, yeah, Addy, especially in super flex leagues, I think Fitzpatrick could be a fun option. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he's got, you know, he's got some chemistry with those guys from last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's just so much fun to have. You know, you gotta, you gotta go get that, that bearded, bearded boy. Get that beard. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see how long the ride can last. Um, adding a guy here that is at least from Greg Rosenthal's perspective, the presumed starter. I don't know if I agree, but, uh, I know we do love Matt Getcha Burita and, um, I think Jordan Howard will probably be the starter. Uh, I've said it before. 
that I think Matt Breida will eventually overtake him for the job because Jordan Howard's a guy that gets slept on. This will be his third team in three years. But I do think he's a quality running back. I just think Breida is better. So what my strategy is going to be is try to uh, buy Breida early and sell Howard early because get it before if this if this is how it works out and Howard is the starter get him before get Brita before he becomes the starter later on in the season I really do think Brita has uh, RB3 upside um, could be somewhere in that late 30 range as far as running backs go yeah I've always loved Brita um, I uh, he's definitely the one I like the most there it's just you know I <laughs> I do think Jordan Howard is, is gonna is gonna be a pretty big threat to him. Um, I, I I don't know, man. I, I mean, we always know Breida struggles with health, um, and I just think that's a really nice uh, one-two punch. I mean, those two complement each other really well. Um, I don't think Jordan Howard's gonna go away, um, and Breida's gonna probably be. It's gonna be tough, you know, to to figure out which weeks he's gonna explode. Um, so it could be a little frustrating, but you know, if you're someone that fades running back like I do, he's definitely gonna be a great option for you later in the draft. Yeah, Bobby, are you gonna be getting getting you a burrito here, dude? I love my burrito. I actually traded for him in a league this week that I was pretty uh pretty RB needy. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, that was, that was me and you, Bobo. What, did I make a trade with you, Ben? That was the juju move, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about it. Was that an Unreal? That was, yeah, in, the shark, was. That was in the Shark League. I believe right. it was juju for Kirk, Brita, and one other player. Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. So that helps me a little bit. I didn't draft any running backs of note except for Daryl freaking Henderson. And then the Rams <laughs> draft Cam Akers in the second round. So that was freaking cool. Um, but yeah, as far as Brita, Brita is injury prone, but I don't remember if it was last year or two years ago where it seemed like he had a high, like high ankle sprain and they were like, yeah, he's going to play. And then he had another one that game and they're like, yeah, he's starting next week. And you're like, good gosh, <laughs> Matt Breida, freaking take a week off, dude. It's all right. Yeah, it's okay. We, we know you're tough. Um, yeah, the trade, I'm looking at it right now. Bobby, you got uh, Nick Quick, Matt Breida, and Christian Kirk for Juju and Solomon Thomas. So, wow. yeah, yeah, trade. It's it is. fun uh, seeing what's being thrown out there with all these sharks, Eddie. Yes, sir. You know I love Juju, Bobby. I'm also... Not so happy with it after the fact. I think, uh, I don't know, man. I'm so weird about Christian Kirk right now. Like, half of me wants to really buy him, and then half of me is like, dude, freaking Nuke is there. Like, what are you doing? But I am a big Nick Quick guy. I like Brita fine for this year, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if Kirk can take off at all. I thought it was a pretty even trade. So my background in this league was that I picked my first IDP in the first round, I believe, or the second round, the earliest I've ever taken IDP. And then I flipped out and realized I didn't want to do it and decided just to rebuild. And so when I'm looking at a rebuilding team, I don't think there's a more, I guess, a more attractive piece to me than Juju at 23 with what he's already done. And what I feel like I'm giving up is, so this will, I'll, 
segue into my Brita take here. I think Brita is going to be really good for this year. Um, in PPR, I don't think he's going to overtake Howard because they're such different players that they both can have you know pretty unique roles. But I think Brita is going to be someone who helps your fantasy team this year, but I don't necessarily think he's going to have a ton of staying power. And I also think the Dolphins are going to look to add a running back through free agency or the draft next year. So I think for a rebuilding team to give those guys up and Nick quit, who's a little older, I'm fine doing that. But I think in for a contending team, getting Kirk and those two pieces back is going to do a lot. It is really crazy that they didn't take uh, Swift. Didn't they have that opportunity in the, in the second round, Ben? They did. They did. I think they even had a shot at Taylor, but then we took Cesar Ruiz. <laughs> nice. Way to go. Get a good center. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Got to love a good offensive lineman. That really uh, puts the puts the meat in the seats. What's up, so, Joshy? Give me your Christian Kirk take. You're an owner. Yeah, I mean, it's he's a guy. It's it's definitely confirmation bias. But I've seen a lot of of off season hype pieces this season. So you're right. I mean, he is behind you know a an absolute target monster in New Hopkins a guy who when he was in Houston was commanding over a 30% target share so i don't think he's going to be near that much in terms of targets uh the volume could go up because i think this is going to be a very fast paced offense that's going to have a lot of plays um but you look at he's young kyler's young nuke is maybe at the at the apex or slightly on the backside of his prime right now i still think he has a lot of good years left maybe but i think he might yeah. be around the peak still so we'll see and if the cardinals are a team i just want pieces from they're kind of like the bingles right now in my mind I'm looking to acquire as many Cardinals as I can uh, because and it's it's injury as well. You know, it, it is weird having both Nuke and Kirk on my main team in the XFFL. But what if uh, what if Nuke gets hurt? You know, Kirk is stepping into that wide receiver one role on a high powered offense with Kyler Murray. That's a lot of fun. Look at my team a couple years ago when I had like Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And it was just kind of like, ah, they're doing great every game. Let's just keep playing them, you know. Act like nothing's happening. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't know. I can't make my mind up on whether I want Kirk or not. I guess I no, do. No man. That's a uh, that's I'm with Josh. That's an offense that I I want pieces of and uh you know, I think best case scenario is you think that he's going to be like a you know, even a more productive Randall Cobb. Yeah. Um, whereas like DeAndre Hopkins plays like the Jordy Nelson role. Um I mean, I think I think that Collar can can make Two productive wide receivers. I think he can he can uh, make a wide receiver one and and Hopkins and uh, I think Kirk will will probably surprise and have some big weeks. And in redraft, I think Fitzgerald is still going to be aggravating this year. Yes, he'll still get you know five six he's catches still, a game. He's for, still very yeah. fits. Yeah. yeah. So um, let's do it. Just a quick temperature check. If you have to take one guy for the entire season, are you taking Matt Breida or Jordan Howard? Ben, let's start with you. So I think I'm actually taking Jordan Howard here. Breida's the upside play for sure. If Howard gets hurt, I think Breida could end up getting some solid volume. And in PPR, Breida is going to get a lot of volume. But Howard's going so low. And I think he's 
if, if things go right, I think he's the cheapest 200 carry guy that's out there in fantasy. He's going to get the goal line looks. He always has. And so the bottom line is when you get to the end of a fantasy season, it's not sexy to have Jordan Howard, but you're going to say, man, I need 10 points in my championship week, and he'll get you 40 yards and a touchdown. You know, you need guys like Jordan Howard on your squad. And so I'm taking him over, Brita, but... I would honestly be very happy to leave a draft with both of them. And then if an injury happens, even better. Yeah. Addy, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, Breed is definitely going to be the uh, the most expensive of the two. And I, we're even seeing like Breed is going like round 10, 11 and redraft now. So, I mean, you know, everyone is, is very aware of, of the primo situation he's walking into. But I, um, I don't know, man. I, I'm probably not gonna. I'm probably not gonna gonna own much of either, just because. Um, I don't know. I don't like that. I don't like that price tag for Brita, um, and I don't trust it'll stay healthy. And I do. I think Jordan Howard is 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 uh, is gonna take away a lot a lot from him. So yeah, I mean, I guess if I have to pick, I'll probably go Howard, just because he's gonna be you know one of the last you know picks of your of your draft. Yeah, I agree. I think Howard has – I really like Howard's potential at the beginning of the season. I think he's a great uh, guy to acquire in your auction or your startup draft and then flip him after you know a few weeks when he's had some solid performances. But I do. I really do think Brita is going to win this job. Um, Howard, just his track record so far has been – He's good until the team discovers they have a better running back on their team, and then he's eventually phased out of the game plan. So I'm going to take Matt Burita because I want that running back for the you know playoff push and the championship push. And um, so I'm looking at Brita as just the higher upside that time of year. So I'm going to take, uh, if I have to take one, I think they're both really enticing options. I love Howard's lower price tag, but give me Brita. Bobby, I what about you? Go ahead, Addy. I I think it would be great if they do bring another running back in because I think that'll lower Breida's price, and mm-hmm. that's when I'll be comfortable taking him. Once he's like, you know, once he settles into like a fourteenth, fifteenth round type running back, then I'm all over that. Yeah, I think people are a little too hype to the Breida breakout potential here or the I opportunity. They, I think we've got our other guy in the building too. This is this is a kind of a out there take, but I think Patrick Laird is going to see a ton of receiving work. He terrible running back when I saw him running between the tackles, but he really was a good satellite player for us. And he was, he was getting seven, eight looks by the end of the year. And so I think Brian Flores coming from the Bill Belichick coaching tree might just screw with everyone and give Jordan Howard his role, Matt Breida his role, Patrick Laird his role, and then sprinkle in some other undrafted free agents and, you know, do that whole song and dance, which, cause it seems like that's what Patricia is trying to emulate. But I haven't seen enough from Flores to know if he's really following the Belichick path. Ben, he's bringing in a lot of paths. Ben, I think you meant uh, Caleb Balazs. Wasn't that who you meant? We're not going back to the Bellagio. <laughs> Please, God, say that that, rain, that uh, era is over in Miami. So, Bobby, what about you? You taking uh, year-long Howard or Brita in this hypothetical? I'll go Brita, just because he seems like a tough guy. I love that. He's a guy that you could fix a truck with. I think that's where you're coming from with this. Exactly. Dude, exactly. Make, yeah. make no doubt about it. We are going to see a ton of, of Brita highlight reels on Twitter this offseason just because he has he has some awesome runs, especially against Cincinnati. That's the one that stands out the most. It was like a 
50-yard run, but it one of the best runs of the year, and uh, we'll, we'll be seeing a lot of highlights. Shanahan <laughs> and we, and also we, creates a lot breeders. of space, though. What's that, Ben? Shanahan also created a ton of space for Brita, who's super fast. And so there might yes. have been a better head coach to utilize a Matt Brita, and we haven't seen him yet without Shanahan, so that's, that's so another true. worry yeah. for me. That's one thing people don't talk about is how crazy was their running back room last year with McKinnon, <laughs> him, Mostert, Tevin Coleman, uh, Kyle Juszczyk, really? I mean, Jeff ran the ball quite a bit. Yeah, Jeff Wilson. What the world, dude? I know. <laughs> would anyone be surprised if like Mostert is like a top 10 running back this year? Would Not anyone be surprised if Jeff Wilson ends up like a top 12 running back this year? That running back would be a little so surprised if it was my name is Jeff in the top or, 12. That's or a great rookie, uh, Jamichael Hasty. I like him a lot. Never know. <laughs> that's a great point, Adam. Mostert could be a top 10 running back, but I don't want to own him. Nah, probably not. Well, he's, he's expensive. Like he's going in like the fifth, sixth round. He went in, he went in the sixth round in that uh, gala draft. I'm in. Well, that and he does seem to Shanahan does seem to pull the Belichick to where he's like, all right, Legarrette Blunt, you're getting 25 carries this game. All right, Legarrette, you're out. Now we're giving the ball to a uh, Blurkhead. He's we're just gonna run a bunch of pass plays this game. Yeah, Jonas Gray. <laughs> yeah, keep him guessing, man. It works yeah, for sure. That's right. So. Then this is uh, this next player is a guy that I want to get your take on first because he was a guy that was uh, I believe the fantasy footballer said um, from like week four on was the wide receiver two in fantasy football. Uh, this is Devonte Parker out of the Ville, near and dear to our hearts. But are you buying the Devonte Parker late breakout? This one hurts me because I bought him before last year and then I traded him right when he started returning value because like, oh, good, he's, he's just returning some value. And then he ended up going on such a tear. I could have used him or probably got more. But I think last year was a fluke, not because of necessarily Devontae Parker. I actually believe the breakout was real. I believe the coaching staff change was huge. There was a bunch of beef before the new coaching staff came in. And he has the rapport with Fitzpatrick. But for Dynasty, I think Preston Williams is that number one wide receiver for them. And if you if you look at really when Devontae took off, like you said, the week's kind of four on, that was kind of Cohen's uh, – coincided with when Preston Williams got hurt. And so I think Preston Williams is the future wide receiver one there. And I think Fitzpatrick is not long for his uh, job there. And I think that's a big reason Parker was so good. And so I think if, maybe for this year, because Preston's coming back and Fitz is starting again, you'll get something. But eventually that's going to be Preston's room. Yeah, Addy, I know you're loving this right now as the Preston Williams uh, truther here. Oh yeah, my love for Preston has been uh, well documented. You can find some some threads that I've done on Twitter with with Preston Williams. Dude's a baller. Um, a lot of people don't realize he's six four. Like he, he's he's a he's a freak athlete, man. He's not the fastest guy, but he's he's just very smart with his body. Uh, very just a really good route runner. Um, he's he's just I, I'm with Ben, man. I think that I think that that's the guy uh, that I want long term. I do wonder. What's he gonna look like with Tua? You know, um, I think I'm 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 with you guys. I do think Tua is gonna be gonna be good, but 
We don't know. We don't, we never know how some of these quarterbacks are going to be when it comes to, uh, making their receivers productive for fantasy. But Preston Williams is definitely, definitely the guy I want. Um, we do need to keep in mind he's coming off an ACL. So, uh, all the reports say that he's, he's doing great. Um, but maybe he starts off slow. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, it, it was a shame when he tore his ACL last week in week nine, uh, because that final game he had like five catches for 72 yards and two touchdowns. It was his best game of the year. Like really, he was just coming on. Um, and I think we'd be talking with him, you know, like, like we do, you know, McLaurin and stuff if he played the whole year. Yeah. I would say kind of like Jordan Howard, I like, Devontae Parker's beginning of the year upside because he does have Fitzpatrick and around week four is when Fitzpatrick took the reins. Uh, Ben, I know your soul had to be in agony with the Josh Rosen experiment uh, early last season when the Dolphins looked like the worst team in NFL history. And then Fitzpatrick takes the reins and they're one of the most fun teams down the stretch. So I do like Devontae Parker early on in the season, Uh, but you're right. Preston, Williams is definitely the dynasty stash there. Like you said in the doc, Ben, try to go out and get him everywhere you can right now. Unless you're in in my league. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The price will be too astronomically high. I am looking to sell them though, honestly. So if anyone wants, like I've got two many receivers. So if anybody likes them, you guys are talking all this mess. uh, Come holler. Yeah, that that wide receiver room is not being able to be like socially distant right now. They're like on top of each other, just having like drip offs. (laughs) (laughs) Drip offs. (laughs) It's an insane wide receiver room that Addy has right now. Bobby, what's your how are you feeling about the Devontae Parker Preston Williams split? Where are you coming down on this? I want Devontae Parker. Um not necessarily between the two of them, but I'm not fading Devontae quite yet. 27 years old reminds me a lot of like Allen Robinson right now. Um, you know, kind of a, kind of not a huge name, but is kind of producing, you know, later on in his NFL career. Um, I really like Devontae. I think even once Tua takes the reins, I think Tua is going to really like the size and the hands of Devontae Parker. Um, he was really, really good last year. And I know that they were primarily throwing the ball, but even with Tua, they're still going to be behind a lot. I mean, let's not act like Tua is going to be there and they're going to be a top five team. You know, they're still going to be having to, you know, throw the ball a lot late in games. And that's another reason why I like Breed. I think Breed is going to be the same way. He's going to be out there a lot, but yeah, I mean, Preston Williams is going to be fine, but I, I'd love to buy Devontae Parker right now. I think it's a good time to buy him. That sounds stupid, but I love it. Love it. <laughs> I think I think people are fading Devontae because they are worried about uh, is this a fluke and the Tua transition. Anytime a rookie quarterback comes in, it just tends to disrupt the production for fantasy wide receivers. If you have a decent team that you think can compete this year, like don't go grab a CD lamb or don't go grab a Jerry Judy, go grab a Devonte Parker. Cause he could really, really produce for you this year. Yeah. And you know, you never know with guys like that. Like remember Devonte Adams, how he started out, you know, his career slow. And then even me, I was, you know, it took me a little bit to really get on board with him because I thought, you know, he's injury prone. What took him so long to break out, but some guys just take a little bit. And, uh, if that's the case with Devonte Parker, yeah, you're right. Go buy him now. Cause he's going to, he's just going to be getting better and better. One so, thing on with Parker that 
is a little tough for me is that being a Finns fan and looking at our roster construction and how hard we went on the offensive line and we got our quarterback this year, it would be mind-boggling to not escape the first two rounds next year with a wide receiver, in my opinion, and get him a true number one for your franchise quarterback. And so for that reason, I'm not sure that either of these guys are going to have huge staying power. I agree, Ben, because, you know, they've upgraded the line a lot. They've got their quarterback. Um, they really need just those skill positions. They really need a running back, and they really need a wide receiver. And we, we love Preston Williams, but we do have to keep in mind this is a guy that was undrafted. If he does anything to mess up, I mean, it's not going to be good. He's going to be on and a very undrafted short undrafted for character, too. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he would have been a first or – I truly believe he would have been a day one or day two pick. I watched a lot of him out of Colorado State because I'm from Colorado. That's where my brother goes to school. He really was a great prospect, but he fell out of favor due to some personal stuff, and so that can always rear its head again. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. So this uh, this next guy here, I'm eager to get into because I think we may have some conflicting takes. Mike Gusecki, the tight end. Ben, how are you viewing Gusecki right now? Came on at the end of last season. Are you projecting more of the same or kind of a wait and see approach? Yeah. So like I said earlier, I'm always trying to kind of farm tight ends. I call it farming more than because other positions you kind of know within two years, tight ends, you can have a guy for three years, four years, and then they hit. And so, yeah, you got to have as many of those, you know, bullet, those throws as you can. And so I think he is one of the most enticing just with the physical ceiling he has. It's insane. He really stacks up with any tight end in the league with his physical attributes. And now you're potentially introducing an elite quarterback in Tua. And so I think you could see Jasicki hit his stride and his peak right when Tua comes in and needs that blanket to throw to. So it might be a perfect storm for him to become the next, you know, top five, top, top even three type of guy. Oh, but Addy, I think you are disagreeing here with Mr. Ratty. Uh, yeah, I've just never been a big fan. Um, he, Played primarily out of the slot last year too, uh, and I think that was mainly due to how you know how many injuries that team faced. Um, so I don't think he's going to be that good as a true tight end, just because I don't think he's strong enough or a good, good enough blocker. Um, and I, and I, I don't know, I don't know what his role is going to be this next year um, because I think that. Uh, like I said, that he played a lot uh, out of the slot because of those injuries. Albert Wilson's going to be back. Preston Williams is healthy. Devontae Parker's he should he should still have a large role. Um, he's not a guy I'm really targeting. And also, Chan, Ga- uh, Chan Gailey is there now, and this is a guy that has never uh, featured the tight end. Um, the only time he's ever been successful with with tight end is when he had Tony Gonzalez, um, but. Usually every other year, which there's like eight, eight to nine years of, of, of history here, like he's finished like last or second to last in the league uh, with his tight end production. So just something to think about. All right. Yeah. I mean, I like him as a kind of a back end tight end one somewhere around like the tight end eight. Uh, he's not going to be a top tier guy in my mind, but he's solid. I mean, we got to keep in mind the tight end landscape is just so gross. That, um, you know, even guys who maybe have some question marks or some factors that make their value drop a little bit in our minds are probably still going to be decent options at tight end and fantasy football. So, fellas, uh, well, Bobby, before we sign off, uh, where are you coming down on Gasicki? Any hot takes here we need to hear? Looks like a chunk. 
Looks like a chump. Okay, so yeah. there you go. That's that uh, that gripping insight. I just, that I just we don't like there. the guys that you know he's going around. I just prefer you know the Johnny Smiths, um, guys like Irv that. Smith, I, Irv Smith, exactly. I, I prefer guys like that instead of instead of uh, Gusecki. What about this, Gusecki or uh, Ian Thomas? Probably Ian Thomas, just because. I don't know. I mean, I'm intrigued in that Panthers offense there with the uh, the new LSU OC. All right. Yeah, I would probably go Gusecki just because we've seen it a little more from him. And in uh, Thomas, we all like the upside, but yeah, I think I'd go Gusecki. Yeah, and I mean, when I say I think Gusecki is going to be a top five guy, or could be the next top five, top three guy, the thing about this tight end landscape is I legitimately think that about Maybe eight guys, you know, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Jonu Smith, you know, Ian Thomas. Yeah, all these Thank guys all these guys could just explode or they could be nothing. It's, it's such a weird position. So that's why I say just try if, if the value falls to you, get these tight ends and just hope they work out. Because even the best, most talented tight end in the best situation can still flop. Yeah, yeah. May, so maybe the move is to target three of those guys. You know, get all get all three of them. One get will break out, I think. Yeah, there you go. So let's move to defense here, and we can kind of zoom through these. I know there's a couple guys that we want to hit here. Um, Benny Christian Wilkins, any any interest? Um, I like him on my bench, but I mean, only in a league where you have DT starting. If it's a D line only league, I'm not even rostering him. Yeah, I would say uh, backup defensive tackle, bye week fill-in type of guy. Um, the guy that was surprisingly a little higher was actually Devon Godshaw, uh, who was knocking on the door as a top 12 defensive tackle, finished his D-tackle 14 last year in the XFFL. Um, this is his third season, his second under Flores. Ben, do you think that uh, maybe he has top 12 potential here? Yeah, I think... I mean, he was already at 14, so he only needs to climb up a few spots. Um, in a league that designates DT again, I'm all over it. I think he's going to become one of their linchpins. His career trajectory is project, it's progressing at a really nice rate. You know, each season he's gotten better and he's still fairly young and he's got a defensive minded head coach now. So I think Brian Flores is going to create some IDP monsters over the next couple of years. It's just, it's gonna, it's still yet to be seen who those guys are going to be. Yeah. Now I wanted to to move through these first couple guys quickly because I want to get to a guy that Addy has been talking up a lot this offseason. He is now in Miami. It is Shaq Lawson. So Addy, take it away on your baby Shaq here. Shaq Lawson. I love Shaq Lawson this year. Um, so last year in Buffalo, he had six and a half sacks, 28 pressures on only 400 and 87 snaps, 486 snaps. Um, those are really, really good pressure stats uh, for someone playing only that amount of time. Um, I expect him to maybe get those snaps in the 700 to 800 range this next year. And if that happens, uh, I expect him to have potentially 10 plus sacks this year. Um, type of guy that reminds me a lot of someone like Melvin Ingram. Um, not flashy, but will quietly, you know, you'll look up and he has nine, ten sacks at the end of the year. Um, so, yeah, you know, he's only 25, 26. Uh, Miami gave him a big deal. Yeah, big Shaq Lawson fan. Yeah. Uh, ben, it looks like uh, you may be in on the uh, the potential upside of Lawson here as well. Yeah, for sure. So, for me, 
my first thing with him is I think this is a make or break year. I mean, with the Finns, I'm, I'm throwing out all these guys like, oh, we're going to take this position in the first two rounds. But we really do have a ton of picks, even still after this year when we had a ton of picks. And so I think if Shaq, I think he has, he's going to have the opportunity this year to come in and assert himself as a dominant option on the line and maybe the dominant option on the line. And if he does, he could be a D1. But like the, the line is such an important position, especially to someone like Flores, that if Lawson doesn't come in and light it up, I could really see the Dolphins adding an elite uh, edge rusher in early in the draft. And so that would take the uh, win from, out from under his sails immediately, in my opinion. Yeah, so it was kind of interesting to go back and look at, you know, when you're seeing where guys finished in the previous seasons – um, Shaq Lawson actually scored the same number of points as Mario Addison in our main league. But like you all have been talking about, I think he has a lot more upside. Um, I think uh, sort of a back end DE2 is where I see him, even in a new place. You know, changing teams typically uh, will hurt your upside in fantasy. But um, I really like Lawson's potential to break out down there in Miami. I'm with you, Addy. Bobby, what's your take on Mr. Lawson? Oh, man, I don't know. Um, I'm still on the fence about him. Six and a half sacks last year, you know, coming out of Clemson, it's taken him quite a while to develop. So, yeah, the pressure stat is nice, but I'm still not reaching too high for him. All right. So, Shaq Lawson, we shall see. Addy, do you own Shaq anywhere right now? Yeah, I have in a few spots. Well, you're in like, I think, um, 12 or 84. 13 leagues at this point. Yeah. <laughs> is that what the number on your jersey was for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he, he's really cheap. I mean, he's someone that you know people forget about. Um, so you, you can get him late, but yeah, definitely, definitely gonna have a lot of shares of, of Lawson this year. Yeah. So his uh, his DN mate there, Emmanuel Ogba, Ben. I think we're both on the same page. Not necessarily a guy we're targeting. Maybe a waiver wire pickup. Um, but I want to move on here to the linebacker. Um, that uh, is sort of the main guy there for IDP purposes. This is Jerome Baker. Addy, I know that you were a big Baker believer last year. Where are you coming down on him for 2020? Probably going to fade him this year just because of his uh, his price tag. Um, uh, I mean, I like Baker, but um, you know, this is a guy that he played the third most defensive snaps last year. He had 1,093 defensive snaps. Uh, so I think those are going to come down. Um, and I think he's just got more talent around him now. I think, you know, he was, he was the benefactor of just being really the only guy. He was pretty much like a, a, a walking, this is fine meme. Uh, everything yeah. around him is just <laughs> trash. Um, so, you know, he, he, he graded out awfully. Like he, 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 he graded very poorly on PFF. I think he was like a 46.1 overall, but I'm not sure how much that has to do with what he was surrounded by. Um, and if he was just doing damage control nonstop. So, um, yeah, I like Jerome Baker, but I'm probably not going to own him anywhere, uh, in redraft. Uh, but I, I have plenty of shares in dynasty and, and I think he'll still be a, a solid linebacker two, linebacker three. Um, just, I don't know that the upside is there that people, that, you know, that the people think is. 
Yeah, this is one of those don't look too much into last season and extrapolate that forward. Like you said, it was not a great situation there in Miami. And there's at least some names that are alongside him now. Uh, linebacker 24 last year. Um, I would love to have him as linebacker three. I'm not necessarily looking at him. Oh, he finishes LB 24. He'll be a great guy to pencil in as an LB two. No, target him more as your LB three. If you can get him as your LB four, that's amazing. Uh, ben, what are you thinking about Baker? Yeah, pretty similarly with you guys, but you know, anytime I can get consistent linebacker produ- production where I'm pretty confident this guy is going to see near 100% of the snaps and that is, I can extrapolate that for a couple of years, I think, you know, obviously they could always add an impact linebacker, but I think Jerome Baker's got a pretty safe handle on that job for a little bit with a defensive head coach. So I'll take it, but you're right. The, the price is getting up there where, I mean, I need to see who I have available around him. I'm definitely not always taking him at his ADP, but if he slips to me, I'm very happy. Yeah, it'll be three for sure. Yeah. So, Bobby, any uh, any thoughts here on Mr. Baker? Um, No, not really. I think he's fine. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Bob. Just being like, you know what? No, I don't have any takes. I'm thinking a little bit more about... Um about a rookie here on Miami, but y- y'all continue on. I'll-, I'll get there in just a second. Okay. So looking at his linebacker mate there, Ben, any interest in Kyle Van Oy? I do have some interest in him. Um, I think he's way past his prime, but he was brought in by a coach he played for previously in Flores, and he's one of those guys who is really known as a leader on defense. And so would I be surprised at all if Brian Flores gives him some crazy inflated snap count, and as a result of that, he puts up nice stats? No. Do I think Kyle Van Oy, if he doesn't get that situation, has the talent left to put up great numbers? No. So I think he's cheap enough to monitor and see if Flores has an affinity for him still. Yeah, that was my take was essentially, let's see how he does. If he gets off to a nice start, maybe try to pick him up. Uh, But not a guy that I'm targeting necessarily. Yeah. uh, Go for it, Eddie. uh, I agree. He's just not someone that's going to get the consistent tackle numbers. He's more of like a big, big play type guy. Yeah, I agree. Calvin Noy, he was solid for me a little bit last year. It's some some leagues I had to uh, throw him in the flex, and he had some nice sacks and stuff. But yeah, he's he's whatever. He's older. He's older. We don't like them old players. We're ageist. Yeah. Did you did you find this young linebacker that you like, Bobby? No, no. Just continue on, Joshua. All right. So let's wrap up here with Eric Rowe, um, listed as a, a cornerback on RSO, by the way. So this is a guy, uh, Ben, you mentioned earlier, looking for cheat code players, those guys who are going to be playing more of a safety role but are listed as cornerbacks. Uh, Eric Rowe fits the bill, so he's a guy that I'm going to be looking at uh, maybe as a cornerback target uh, on the RSO platform. Yeah, guys like him and Kareem Jackson, those are the tweeners I'm really looking at for cornerback. Um, I think there really is a clear path to Eric Rowe finishing as the cornerback one if they play him in a similar role to last year as a safety. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. They also did bring in some nice pieces in the secondary, though. So I, I'm i not sold Rowe gets that same hybrid role, but if he gets that role, it's money. 
Yeah, Brandon Jones is a rookie that could also maybe see that similar role of that cornerback slot type safety guy. Um, yeah, I think maybe I don't know what Ben thinks about this, but Xavier Howard is maybe one of my favorite players to watch. Um, I know primarily, you know, we don't really want to talk about these, you know, really, really good corners, but Xavier Howard has been really, really good for Miami. And, um, I, I don't know if he's a little bit too big play dependent. He doesn't really rack up a ton of tackles, but man, I love at least watching him play. Oh, I love Xavier, man. He's he's just a fun player, and and he he wasn't a really touted guy for us, and so you love you love as a homer to see the dudes who kind of came out of nowhere for your team and are now just staples, one of the best corners in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, so let's uh, let's roll on, gentlemen. We have touched on two teams in this AFC East here. I think this is probably going to be close to our longest pod ever. May surpass the Megapod, so if you need to push pause and take a little bathroom break here as the listener, feel free. We should zoom through this next uh, next team pretty quickly. I, <laughs> I, I why made is a- that, Josh? What's that? Because the Patriots. That why you want to zoom? Yeah. Through? Well, this is what we were talking about on IDP Nation. Go check that out. We were on that pod on Tuesday. I made a bet with both Bobby and Hollywood that the Patriots would finish with the worst record in the AFC East in 2020. I think I have to wash Bobby's truck in like a some sort of like thong bikini outfit mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if if I lose this bet, and I just owe Hollywood fifty bucks. So, uh, but you look at this roster. There's not a lot of fantasy targets on either side of the ball. So let's look at the projected starters for offense and defense. Uh, At quarterback, Jarrett Stidham seems to have the inside track. Uh, James White at running back. Julian Edelman, Mohamed Sanu, and Nikhil Harry at wide receiver. Uh, Devin Asai-Asai at tight end. On defense, you're looking at Lawrence Guy at defensive end. Uh, Adam Butler at defensive tackle. John Simon and Chase Winovich at outside linebacker. Dante Hightower and Jawan Bentley at inside linebacker. Stephon Gilmore Jason McCourty and Jonathan Jones at cornerback and Patrick Chung and Devin McCourty at safety. So Boys. kicking it off here. Yeah. With my the mouth is just, my mouth is watering. Yeah. I'm, I'm drooling just from being asleep reading that list. Um, so let's start off here. Addy was you, are you the one that's maybe taking a shot on Jared Stidham uh, as a QB option for fantasy? Man, I'll be honest. I'm taking a shot with most of these guys. I don't think we have much of a read on any of these dudes just because it's, it's uh, we didn't see anything out of, you know, most of these offensive pieces that they're going to have next year. So um, I don't know. I do worry that, uh, you know, if they're not good, if Stidham's terrible, then you're not going to want any of these these offensive guys at all. It's just going to be a black hole for fantasy. Um, but there is a little bit of optimism. I, I've seen a little bit of, uh, flashes from Stidham that I'm, that I'm kind of curious. He's made some good throws uh, in the preseason and stuff, but we just don't know. We don't know. And, and we don't know a lot about these quarterbacks, you know, before they get to, they get playing time. So we'll see. It's so funny because you're only curious because of the team that he's on. If this dude is on the New York Jets, you're like, I don't care at all about Jared Siddle. Exactly. 
And no, that, that is how I feel, but I think it's warranted because, yeah, Bill Belichick got Tom Brady in the sixth. And, yeah, I mean, that's the big one. But Jimmy Garoppolo was a second. And then he developed Matt Castle, who had a huge value at one point due to what he did. He developed Brian Hoyer, who's stuck around forever and who's now back on their team. It, Belichick's guys have produced, and he I don't think he's had a first-round quarterback. So I'm taking the chance on him. But, I mean, yeah, if you take this exact same roster and call it the New York Jets, oh, I, I don't even think I'm – considering Stidham as my QB4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the argument, Ben, that I made on IDP Nation was if you subbed in like Adam Gase or Matt Patricia or Doug Marone as the coach of the Patriots, they probably win one, maybe two games with this roster. What everyone's banking on right now is Bill Belichick, and maybe I'll be made a fool. Um, but I'll just go ahead and give spoiler alert. I'm, I don't draft Patriots players just of a deep-seated hatred in fantasy, but even if I was to remove that poisonous thorn, I'm not targeting a single player on this Patriots team. So that's the spoiler alert. I won't be chiming in a lot here just because I'm not interested, because if the quarterback play is what I think it's going to be, which is bottom four or five in the league, all of these pieces suddenly just go to hell. So oh, you're chiming uh, in. All right. The listeners need it, Josh. You know, sir, get, get over this hatred. Yes, no, sir. sir. So let's move down to James White. Uh, seems to be, I don't know, maybe the more enticing running back option. Uh, ben, what are you thinking right now? Uh, kind of splitting this uh, this backfield up. James White, Sony Michelle. How are you looking at this? So it, it, it this whole Brady leaving situation is kind of creating these chicken and egg scenarios where is Tom Brady a quarterback and who loves checking down to his running backs or did Bill Belichick design a system for that or was it probably a little bit of both? So I'm not going to write off James White, but I think with no Brady, he the wheels really fell out for him. So I'm interested, but... I think Belgium was probably suiting to Brady's strengths more than the other way around. Yep, completely agree. I think, uh, yeah, I think I think Brady was the one that that liked checking down. I just think that played to his strengths, you know, just uh, just a surgeon uh, at quarterback, just slowly kill you, you know, with death by paper cuts. Um, so yeah, I. I uh, I'm probably not going to target James White anywhere. I think I think we've definitely seen the the very best of James White. He's probably not going to be useful going forward. Probably should just kill kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> probably should just walk into traffic is what Adam is saying right now. To be fair though, James White was kind of uh, he succeeded Shane Vereen, who was given that role. So it could be a Belgic thing where he's going to try to find another receiving back, but. Even if it's James White, he's 28, isn't he? Even yeah. even if he's the guy and Belichick schemes around him, he's got another year, and then they'll go find another receiving back. So I'm not hugely interested in him. I'm probably out of the whole backfield going for Damian, really, because I, I think there is a less than zero chance that Damian Harris significantly leads this backfield and carries just with how Bill Belichick is. And so... Sony at his price, I'm fading. James White, it's fine if you can get him with your last pick. And then give me all the Damian Harris at his price. Yes. That was a great, great Freudian slip there, Ben. I think you said there's a less than 0% chance that uh, <laughs> Damian Harris leads this backfield. More than so. zero. <laughs> Slightly 15. more than zero. 
Bobby, how are you breaking this thing down? Are you a Damien guy, a Sony guy, a James guy, a no thank you guy? I don't really want any of them. I mean, I think Damien Harris is intriguing just because Sony Michelle's got that bone on bone action and then James White is approaching 30. So Damien Harris has to be the default answer there. Yeah, Damien's probably the only guy who shouldn't kill himself right now. So um, congrats to him on that. Uh, Julian Edelman, guys, where do you uh, where do you all see him with no Brady? Is he a guy that maybe wide receiver two, wide receiver three? Adam, where are you looking at him right now? I'm probably not looking at him. I just don't I don't know what to make of any of these guys. Uh, I feel like, you know, Brady definitely made Edelman. Um, So not going to not going to have any Edelman. Yeah. No, Edelman. Ben, are you interested in uh, Eddie Boy at all? So I'm reading what I wrote, and I hate it now. I said he has wide receiver one upside. He doesn't. But I am not fading him at his cost. He's he's a veteran player in a room that isn't really full of a lot of veterans. He's been a PPR savvy guy his entire life. And his entire career, probably his entire No, not his entire life, because he used to be a quarterback. He wasn't getting those PPR points. But he was throwing he, to himself, like, uh, yeah. like, like, like what's his name? Charles. Yeah, there you go. But I, I, I've got him so cheap that I really like it. But he's not going to win you your league. Let's just skip ahead to what everyone has tuned in for tonight. Nobody cares what Ben thinks about Julian Edelman. Nobody cares about Mohammed Sanu oh, anywhere hey, no, on the eastern on, side on. of the I Mississippi had a great, River. I had a nah, great point. Nah, nah, nah. The we Patriots could have. Think about the players the Patriots could have had in the second round, and they have Muhammad Sanu. Like, yikes. That is a terrible trade. Moving on to Nikhil Harry. Let's talk about the 102 in 2018. Nikhil. I don't know what his middle name would be. Uh, James Harry. (laughs) Benjamin. (laughs) Benjamin, what do you think? Uh, What do you think about Nikhil? We're putting you on the spot, boys. This is... I said maybe my favorite buy, my favorite buy of the offseason. I think Bill Belichick keeps the ship going. I really do. I believe in him as a coach. When I look back at other great coaches, it some of them fall off, but a lot of them find a way. You know, Parcells always found a way to win, even with some terrible teams. And so I really do trust Bill Belichick. Nikhil, for me, was before the draft, before he got the first round capital, his analytical profile, the tape, everything to me, he was my wide receiver one, and he was the type of prospect I believed could end up a wide receiver one in this league. And that didn't really change much for me. Obviously, the track record of injured rookies isn't great, but I'm betting on him to be an outlier. I think that he just the talent is immense and you can get him for pretty dirt cheap compared to what I mean the cost it would take to get him last year for sure. Sounds like an optimistic viewpoint, Ben. Uh, I'll give you a third round pick in 2023 for him. Yes, no, maybe. I wouldn't move uh, the 112. I would move one through one eleven. I wouldn't move the one twelve in this year's class for Nikhil Harry. You will never get that, Ben. No one will ever offer you that. <laughs> we'll see you yeah. here. Yeah. All right. So let's. Uh, let's- I agree. He's a great buy. I mean, he he's he's about as low as he can get. You know, we don't know anything about him because of you know he was injured last year. Goodbye. What about for redraft? Goodbye, you- as in goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Later. Goodbye. What about for redraft? Who produces more, Edelman or Harry for Edelman. 2020? Edelman. 
Edelman's going to. I think what I'm hoping for Harry, he, with all my optimism on him, he's not the he's not your play for this year. He's he's the guy I think who could develop into wide receiver one. But he's still this is practically his rookie year with everything 20, that happened. By 2025, he should probably have developed. At that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say I, I'm, I would anticipate Damian Harris having the best out of those three. He'll be playing inspired because Sony and James White have killed themselves, so he'll be he'll be carrying on in their with their memory in his heart. So I would say Damian Harris. So moving on here to the defense, fellas. Um, yeah, not great, Bob. Uh, Chase Winovich. Uh, this is a guy that we've heard brought up a few times this off season on other pods, talking to some other IDP guys. Um, for me, uh, Addy, this is particularly for you, falls into the great hair white guy camp, so he's getting a lot of hype as a defensive end, but I'm not particularly interested. What about you? I don't know. I think it's kind of warranted. I mean, the uh, the long hair is just a bonus. I think this guy's got to be really good. Uh, and, and the limited action we saw last year, he was pretty productive. Um, and they have a definite need for pass rushers there in New England. So... I really, really, really like Winovich. I think the price is just right. Um, yes, I'm definitely looking to buy. Uh, redraft, I mean, probably not going to be someone that you're starting week in and week out, but um, Dynasty definitely needs to be on your radar. Definitely someone you should target later later in, uh, in your drafts. I joined the uh, Dynasty Sneakos League a couple weeks ago when they had an orphan team, and Winovich was unowned. How many teams in there, Ben? Like 12? Wow. 12, yeah. Start Mistake. 3D linemen. And, uh, yeah, so I really like Winovich for this year. I agree 100%. He's not my biggest buy on New England right now, but he's pretty close. I like Winovich a lot. Yeah, Ben, ben where, where are you coming down on old uh, gorgeous blonde hair over there? I've... What I saw from him is a really good NFL player. I do not think an NFL team is ever going to be upset to have Chase Winovich, and I don't think he's going to wash out early. Now, it's always hard. D-linemen, they can be great, but then they have to kind of get through a barrier to being fantasy great too. And so I could see Winovich being a guy Patriots fans absolutely fall in love with. He gives them some Clay Matthews on the Packers vibes. and He was pretty beloved, but... In the end, I'm not 100% sure he's going to end up being a guy you start a ton in fantasy, but he's a fun guy to watch, and so I, I hope he proves me wrong and ends up an elite asset. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I watched the uh, the Michigan All or Nothing season, and he was a guy that you just absolutely fell in love with. But um, yeah, we'll see. The we'll see if the hype and the excitement as a as a a white guy, uh, you know, with the with the hair. And, high motor, uh, got know, a high motor, first in, last motor. out. Yeah, just a gym rat. Uh, to all, all the white cliches we can throw on this guy. We'll see if he pans out. I, I, I'm really, I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence right now with Winovich. But, um, Addy, I'm curious your take on Stefan Gilmore. You mentioned earlier that the, you know, good cornerbacks are, you know, not necessarily bad IDP options. Do you see Gilmore in that same light or is he a guy that you're staying away from? Gilmore could actually be pretty useful again this year because I think that, you know, if that team is bad, um, I could see them getting thrown on uh, quite a bit, you know. So um, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not going to overdraft this guy just because he did have some high interception numbers. So we typically fade those when guys do that, uh, just because that's not a very repeatable stat. Um, so I, I'm probably not going to have a lot of Gilmore, but I mean, I think he's a fine, you know, number two cornerback for you if you got to start corners. 
Yeah, Ben, what about you? How are you seeing Stefan Gilmore? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to really give definite takes on cornerbacks, especially shutdown cornerbacks. It'll, it's, the top 10 is really going to be luck of the draw. But my bigger point on Stefan Gilmore, and this is just kind of screaming into the abyss because I don't know what the change would be, but Gilmore for me is the example of why IDP cornerback scoring needs at least some tweaking because the season he had last year should have been dominant points wise, just considering how good of a season he had at cornerback. And so I would love to see someday in IDP when someone smarter than me comes up with a way where the Stephon Gilmores of the world are scoring the most points at the cornerback position. Yep. Yeah, I was uh, I was doing some tabulating here, so this will be a fun experiment. So. Uh, the top 30, RSO has five positions, defensive tackle, defensive end, cornerback, linebacker, and safety. So the top 30, so across five positions, that's 150 players in IDP. How many top 30 guys across those five positions, uh, so out of the top 150 of all IDP in our league last year, how many guys do you think were from the Patriots? Bobby, we'll start with you. Um, Three. Three. Okay. Ben, what about you? I know Jamie Collins was awesome. Gilmore. Three feels like the right number, honestly. Three. All right. Addy, what about you? Yeah, I feel like Adam Butler may have snuck in there at defensive tackle. Mm. Maybe Van Noy. Yeah, probably. Well, linebacker's Van Noy tough. Was, he linebacker's was, tough. He finished uh, LB24, we were saying earlier, right? So. Oh, there you go. No, that was Jerome Baker. Yeah, uh, it was Baker. Yeah. So the answer is five. So you had the highest guy was actually Stefan Gilmore. McCourty snuck in there. Butler was in there as well. Um, so yeah, five guys out of 150. Uh, be curious to see if that number comes down this season at all. Um, so wrapping up here, guys, any interest at all in Patrick Chung or Devin McCourty? No. What about Kyle Duggar? We did, I forgot to put him in there. Or is anyone interested in Duggar? Absolutely. For Dynasty, I think he's a great half. And let's talk about, um, real quick as well, Josh uh, Uche. I think it's how you say his last name. Uh, edge rusher out of Michigan. I think it'd be fun. I think he will play quite a bit with uh, with Winovich as well. And then uh, there's the linebacker, Anthony Jennings, I believe as well, is a kind of a nice little stash to have in Dynasty. So I'm I'm reaching more for these Uches than I am these current players, honestly. Yeah, it's a total changing of the guard for the Patriots. And so I'm past the point of wanting the Chungs, the McCordys, these older dudes. If I'm getting on anything, it's like you're saying, it's going to be Winovich, it's going to be Uche, it's going to be these guys who could develop into the next, you know, Patrick Chung, like a Duggar. So, yeah, it's such a changing of the guard there. I'm fading any of those older guys. But Duggar probably not so much for a redraft. Um, but you look at these two dudes, Chung and McCordy, he's got some awesome dudes to, to learn behind, you know. So anyways, yeah. All right. Yeah, I said Patrick Chung, the only reason that I would be looking at him is if I'm interested in moving weight. So, Josh, uh, you know, <laughs> Chung is... Josh Chung is a family is a, show, Josh. 
He's a he's great if you're looking for that kind of action. So, fellas, good job. It looks like uh, we're maybe you know about to crest the two hour mark here in just a little bit. So maybe we can wrap up before two and a half hours. That would be amazing. Uh, this next team, not as uh, barren of a wasteland as the New England Patriots, but not a whole lot better um, with the uh, New York Jets. So let's go through the projected starters. You're looking at Sam Darnold at quarterback, Le'Veon Bell at running back, Brashad Perryman, Jamison Crowder, and Denzel Mims at wide receiver, Chris Herndon at tight end. And then on defense, you're looking at uh, Steve McClendon at defensive tackle, Quinnen Williams and Henry Anderson at DN, Jordan Jenkins, CJ Mosley, and Avery Williamson at linebacker, Pierre Desir, some guy that is actually his name, bless Austin, as in bless your heart, and then Brian Poole at cornerback, and Jamal Adams and Marcus May at safety. So, boys, let's jump in with the mono boy himself, Sam Darnold. I like Darnold. I have him as a QB2 in a super flex league. I see him somewhere in the QB18 to 20 range. Ben, where are you coming down on Darnold for this season? So I really like Sam Darnold, especially in Dynasty, but even in Redraft, I'm taking him at his value. Um, he's someone I'm not only interested in his value, I've been actively trying to target as my QB2. I haven't been super successful, but if you've got someone like a Drew Brees, a Rivers, a Tom Brady, you know, someone who's getting up there in age, but who's probably going to give you another elite season, I think the move is just to get Sam Darnold behind him and then get one more year development on him and I think he's going to end up a dynasty QB1 for a while. I mean when you look at his age that he entered the league, he was like 20 he's he's younger than Joe Burrow if I'm not mistaken. I know they're at least both 23 and so yeah, he's really only scratching the surface even though it feels like he's been around for a while now. Yeah, I agree. I do like his upside. I think Adam Gase needs to take a hike for his true potential to be unleashed. Hopefully that will come maybe next year if Gase gets the boot. Um, Adam, what are you thinking, though? Yeah, I like Sam Darnold. Uh, I mean, he's never had a lot of weapons around him, and it seems like Denzel Mims is 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 going to be by far the, the best piece he's ever had. So, um, yeah, I agree. It would be nice if he didn't have Adam Gase there but he does um and so that makes me hesitant but he's someone that i do like i like the way he plays i like i like a quarterback that that doesn't mind taking chances deep and letting his receivers make plays and that's what darnold does um but yeah he's someone that you definitely need to be patient with i think he's he i like him long term yeah i have him as my uh probably top 15 qb I really, really like Darnold this year. Even with Gase, I think that, you know, we're going to talk about Perryman. We're going to talk about Crowder. You know, people are forgetting about them a little bit just because of the fanciness of Mims. But um, definitely the best uh, best surrounding group that Darnold's ever had. Darnold makes some fantastic plays. You know, I've seen somebody put on Twitter not too long ago, you know, if this were Mahomes um, as showing these highlights or whatever that Darnold does, like, you know, this would be all over Twitter. But, you know, Darnold, Darnold has some highlights out there. He makes some really, really good throws. Yeah, I agree. I love the potential, love the upside, the intangibles. I think he's got everything you're looking for in a quarterback except for a good play caller and head coach. Um, and we'll see. We'll talk a little bit about the weapons here. I think he's got the weapons around him to succeed. So maybe Gase cannot suck and actually turn in a nice season here as the Jets play caller. 
Um, but let's talk about Le'Veon Bell. This was a guy that um, held out a couple of years ago, got the you know relatively big contract from the Jets that uh, Adam Gase immediately threw under the bus as a terrible signing. Uh, so that was uh, obviously a lot of fun for everyone involved. But uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell disappointed last year. You weren't happy if you had Le'Veon Bell on your team. Uh, I do love him this season as my RB two. I think. That running back 16 to 18 range is where I see him ending up. Addy, I think you had Bell for last season in XFFL, didn't you? Yeah, and definitely disappointing. Um, but I think that was – I think most people were kind of – had their expectations tempered. Um, but I do like him better in year two. I just – you know, the second year in the system um, – knows what to expect from Gase. They don't have a lot of competition there in the running back room or anyone that that really scares me. So, I mean, it should be the Le'Veon Bell show. It probably won't because Gase is weird, but it should be. Adam, have you seen those eyeballs? He's obviously a lunatic. Old Adam Gase's eyeballs from the press conference? Yeah, he's too new. He's going to give Frank Gore like 300 touches. You just wait and see. That is true. So, uh, Benny Boy, how are you feeling about old Lev Bell? Yeah, so that that's my big thing. It's the curse of Frank Gore. I mean, every year, I swear, we do the same thing. Frank Gore goes to a new team, and we go, well, it's such a talented running back. He's not really going to cut into their work. And then he creates just an ugly mess where neither of them can really excel. And then... He moves on to the next place to do it to the next running back. He did it to Kenyon Drake. He did it to Devin Singletary. I remember he did it to Marlon Mack, I believe, when he was on the Colts. And so, and more than just the fact that that's been a consistent theme of Frank Gore's career, he's also beloved by Adam Gase. Adam Gase was the guy who brought him into the Dolphins and put Kenyon Drake, who's looked absolutely dynamic whenever you give him the chance, in the back seat. So I think that along with the fact that Gase was vocal about the fact he did not love the Le'Veon deal, Gore might be his guy. And so I think I don't think Gore is anything for fantasy other than a thorn in the Le'Veon Bell owner's side, but he is a big thorn. Here's a good question for you. Would you rather have Le'Veon Bell in RSO for $30 million or Todd Gurley for 41 Probably Lev Bell for 30. That's a yeah. terrible take, Josh, and you know it. Adam, yeah. you shut up too. Lev, yeah, Lev might be the only one that finishes the season. Now, if we're talking yeah. if we're talking weeks one through four, give me Gurley. That's <laughs> yeah, only ten million a season or ten million a week. That's not bad. Y'all are hilarious. I'll give you the answer you want, Bobo. I'm I'm probably taking Gurley. Given the fact that in our RSO league, I don't love the free agent auction, but in other years, that $10 million means a lot more to me than it does this year. So I think I'd do it, but I am not giving either of those guys those contracts. So it's for all the listeners that can uh, – a little, little peek behind the curtain, our main league. The, the main two running backs are – Raheem Mostert is out there if you want to call him a main running back. And then Le'Veon Bell is going to be in the auction as well. So there's a lot of people with a lot of money out there. And Le'Veon Bell will get a lot of money just because he's the only only person to be had. But I don't want Le'Veon Bell anywhere, just to be honest with you. The Adam Gase thing, the Frank Gore thing is going to be irritating. He's going to get a ton of carries. They're going to be for like 2.1 yards yards per carry. You're going to be like, why is Le'Veon Bell not running? And Gase is just going to keep giving Gore the ball. It's going to be infuriating. Yeah. Did you, you guys see that video that they just released of, of Gore working working out in the offseason? Like, 
Oh my god, he looked so freaking slow. He looked <laughs> so oh slow. Yeah. But it's out there. He's still out there grinding and, and working like he's a rookie, but he looks super slow. It's like this is weird. This is a slow mo video, but they don't have that weird slow mo noise, and then you're like, Oh, oh wait. <laughs> yeah. It's regular speed. Oh no. How old is so, he now? What's his age? What's his actual age? Oh my gosh. He has to be like thirty five or thirty six, right? I was gonna say thirty four at he least. He is thirty seven years old. Oh my god, he is almost forty. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we need to look that up. Is that pushing like a record? It's gotta be up um, there. I think um uh Riggins, uh what was that guy's first name? Was John? Uh, a pretty John Riggins, yeah, I think I think he might have been a forty-year-old running back at one point, like wow. uh, decades and decades ago. Uh, but yeah, Frank Gore. Some of these players are old enough. Uh, he's old enough to have some of these kids be his children on his team. So uh, yeah, Frank Frank Gore just stop being a thorn in, in people's side. But Josh, let's talk about let's yeah. do something fun for these next three. And I'm just gonna hit you. I'm just gonna hit you with it just because it's uh it's eleven fifty seven. But let's do buy sell hold for these next three. All, All right, right, that sounds good. So you have to pick a person to buy, you have to pick a person to sell, and you have to pick a person to hold. So I'll go first and I want to hold Denzel Mims, obviously, I think is the the hold to have there. I want to buy Brashad Perryman because I think Brashad Perryman could see quite a bit of PPR action. And then I'll probably sell Jamison Crowder to start the season. That might not sound good because Crowder could do really well to start the season. But I guess for Dynasty, I would probably sell Crowder there. Yeah, I think this is the obvious choice as well. Uh, Mims is definitely the hold. I think you'd be expensive to buy right now, but um, this is the with Perryman and Jamison Crowder. It's one of the more interesting kind of toss ups, and uh, you just kind of have to decide which side you want to come down on. And for me, I'm coming down more on the Perryman side. I know Perryman and Crowder both have been disappointing thus far in their careers, but we saw a really nice breakout with Perryman uh, last year in Tampa Bay. So can he keep it up? I don't know, but if I'm having to choose between two of these guys, who am I going to put my faith in? I'm going to put it in Perryman. So I'm going to buy Perryman, yeah, and sell Crowder. Addy, what about you? Okay, so I'm going to buy Denzel Mims because if he is what we think he is, he's going to do nothing but gain value over time. Uh, so I'm definitely buying Denzel Mims. Remember, he is a second round pick right now. So uh, I mean, he's he's not being drafted in the first round of rookie drafts. People are aware of that stuff, um, and I think that you could probably get him uh, still pretty cheap right now. Um, so, gonna buy Mims. I'm gonna sell Perriman. Um, I liked Perriman before they brought in Mims, but I think Mims is gonna hurt him next year. Uh, and also, I don't trust Perriman to ever stay healthy. Um, so, I, I do like that. You know, I think that the he's gonna be really comparable to like Robbie Anderson last year. Um, but I don't know. I don't trust the health. Um, and then I'm going to hold Jameson Crowder. Jameson Crowder actually finished 19th in targets last year, uh, with, a, with 122. So he had, if you look at his game long, he had, there was multiple games where he had like 17 targets in a game. He had 11. He had 10. Uh, this is a guy that Sam Darnold loves to target out of the slot. Um, he's, he's my favorite receiving option on that team for next year. All right, so Benny Boy, take us home. Buy, sell, hold. So 
I'll give I'll do it in a little bit of a different order because I want to talk about Mims last. So I'm definitely selling Crowder. Um, I pretty much value him and pair him pretty similarly, but like you said, Adam, I think there are people you can pull up those stats and say, look, he got volume, and people will buy volume. And I'm not sure the volume is gonna translate with how they've done their offseason. Even with Herndon coming back, he's gonna take a little bit. You know, and then obviously Mims. And so I'm selling Crowder because I think you can get something for him. I'm, I guess I'm holding Perriman because I, I am a believer that it's going to take a little bit for Mims and that Crowder has his slot role kind of locked up. Perriman is going to be battling Mims on the outside. And I think Perriman probably gets the nod early just because Gase likes to be slow with his rookies. And then, yeah, I'm agreeing with you, Adam. I'm completely buying Denzel Mims. I went into our rookie draft 100% convinced I was leaving with Denzel Mims at the 205. But then when Rager was there, I, it was it's just not close for me. But I still would really thought Mims. I would have taken him probably 203 if, if Rager's not on the board over Vaughn and over Ayuk. So I really, really like Denzel Mims. He, I'm a Metcalf guy, obviously, and he reminds me of DK Metcalf in a lot of ways. They have that, you know, great length, speed. And one thing I noticed with Mims that I think he's really elite at and he could come in and be one of the best in the league is he, he, it's weird. It's not something that's common, but he has does this bobbling thing where, like, if he jumps up and gets one hand on the ball and he's on the sidelines, he finds a way to catch it and maneuver his body. And he just has this crazy body control where he just needs to get one hand on and he's going to find a way to bring that tip down. And so I really love watching his tape, and I think he could end up an elite-tier wide receiver. So high potential guy. Look at Josh. He just looks like a proud father over there. <laughs> Josh has him. Add- I had one pick in the rookie draft and made it count. So bringing Denzel Mims home makes me very happy. Do you guys know who his? Go ahead, Addy. Do you guys know who his best comparable is on Player Profiler? I saw it in the doc, so I'm not going to spoil it. Chris Godwin. Ooh, Ooh. (laughs) nice. That's a nice little comp there. Chris Godwin, pretty good at football. Pretty decent. So. I like that idea, Bobby. Thank you for getting us through the that wide receiver three pack there quickly. Um, yeah, how fun it is too to think about uh, Rager probably going to be the wide receiver one there for Philly because uh, aren't um, Alshon's not even projected to start the year, and isn't Deshaun already banged up or something? Probably yeah, he probably crazy. slipped on a banana pill or something comically stupid. <laughs> oh I my mean, gosh! For me, with wide receivers, like their talent is huge, but. I factor in quarterback play not as much, but it's a huge factor. That's one of the reasons I love Metcalf so much. As I said, Metcalf is not going to be a sure thing in every offense. But with Russell Wilson, he is a sure thing. And so you want the guys who have the potential to be with those great quarterbacks. And Donald is probably next up for me. And then the cherry on the pie is that he has a very clear path to being the wide receiver one. So we're talking about the wide receiver one for a potentially elite quarterback for who knows how long. So, I mean, there's really not a ton not to love about that. I cannot fault anyone for taking him in the first round. This is a peek behind the curtain here. Yeah, I mean, uh, was there a better you know landing spot for a rookie wide receiver than Mims? Yes, there was. Michael Pittman. Because T.Y. Hilton is, and uh, Paris Gamble are still there, though. 
No, yeah, you're you right. For sure. Philip Rivers man's. already has, has booked up his gig next year of high school football coach. You got to lock that in. When the high school team comes a calling, look, Phil, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. You got maybe start this year. Maybe like, you know, play eight games and get in there and get to working with those high school seniors and we'll Josh, let Jacoby take the reins. You're, you're, you may be eating your words, dude. I think that Colts team is going to be decent. Thank real. you, Adam. Thank you, Adam. I've had we'll enough see. of it. We'll see. The uh, JT um, experience starts this year, boys. I'm ready. Hey, it's, 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 it's nothing to do with the, the weapons. It's strictly to do with Phil. And if, you know, if Phil has a, rev, a revitalization behind that offensive line with a great play caller and some nice weapons, I'll be happy to eat all them words, but I am just not getting my hopes up, hitching my wagon to a nearly 40-year-old uh, Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers may have his best setup that he's ever had. Like, don't get me wrong, Keenan Allen's awesome, but look at Michael Pittman, look at T.Y., look at Paris Campbell, who people are freaking selling way too early. You got Jack Doyle, you got Mo Alley Cox, you've got the JT experience, you've got your boy Marlon Mack, you've got Naheem Hines. Like, oh my gosh, you've got a maybe the best. Yeah, exactly. Gosh, Josh, this is ridiculous. You need to get on freaking board. You can be a Rams fan. I yeah. don't. I don't agree with you though that that Pittman's in a better spot. I mean, I just think Mims no, was, with a twenty-two. I, I, I was joking. That was a joke. I was. He was running his in. mouth. He was running that <laughs> trap. <laughs> Almost so said Brian uh, Edwards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love so Brian Edwards. Well, yeah, especially with Lynn Bowden going to federal prison now. Um, so Ben slacked me that today. Uh, Brian Edwards just with the uh, the data arm, just just climbing, the stock up, just climbing up. <laughs> I go. love it. So, uh, Bobby, let's talk about a guy here. I know that is close to your heart. I'm not as high. It looks like from the notes here in the doc on Herndon as a as a couple of you guys. Um, I like Herndon. I think he could be a nice waiver wire tight end. Not necessarily a guy I'm going to count on week in and week out. Ben, you think he maybe has a little more upside going into 2020? Yeah, so of all these guys who are the potential tight ends who I think could rise, I actually think Herndon is going to be the safest. From what I've seen, New York is very committed to him. I like Donald, like I said, as a rising asset. And so I think of all of them, he's the safest bet. To, I would lock it in. He's a tight end one. Now, I'm not sure he is going to be the guy who ascends into that top tier and is the next Kelsey or Kittle. Like, I honestly think Jonu or Ian Thomas even could just due to their physical traits. But I think Herndon is, I mean, if you draft him as your tight end one, feel pretty happy about it. Yeah, Addy, what were your thoughts here? I saw a tweet yesterday. Uh, so Chris Herndon reached 500 yards receiving and averaged seven points uh, per game in PPR uh, as a rookie. Since 2014, only three tight ends have done this. Kittle, Ingram, and Herndon. That's a nice that's a nice list to be on. Of course, Herndon missed all of last season, right? I'm for, remembering this correctly. For a, like he had a DUI, right, at the beginning of the year and then did he get hurt or something? What he came back, I think, and got hurt almost immediately. Yeah. Because uh, people have been holding out, waiting for the Herndon emergence. Once he came back from the suspension, then he was like, "Oh wait, he's hurt." Yeah. So that's a that's a sweet stat, and that's uh you know maybe been manipulated a little bit to uh, pump up Herndon. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know that I am necessarily going to target him. I, I get like I mentioned earlier, there's guys that I like that are going around him uh, that I like more. So 
probably not going to have a lot of Herndon, but I do see the upside there. And here's an interesting point for you boys. Um, with me, one thing I've been realizing a lot recently, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, is that I think tight end is almost more of a coaching position at this point than it is a talent position. You know, like, it, there's a reason why Bill Belichick and Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid have the best tight ends in the league. And then a guy like Adam Gase hasn't seen a ton of success, you know. And so it, it's interesting, you know, I think Gase has – I think – I'm not sure if he was involved with Julius Thomas, but I know he's had some decent tight ends, so I'm not completely counting it out. But it is interesting to me. I'm almost cha- rather chase a good coach for a tight end than I would a good talent. I mean, maybe the magnum opus of that being O.J. Howard last year. That's a great point, Ben, because I'll give Adam the credit. I did pull an Adam last year and basically grab four of these tight ends, just hoping within a couple of years you'll figure something out. David and Joku. OJ Howard, Chris Herndon, and Janu. So Janu looks like he's painting out. I'm hoping Chris Herndon will turn into something. David Howard now has Austin Hooper to compete with. And then the OJ Howard experience is still not over, but that's a good point in that Arians, you know, just doesn't really use a tight end. Even a Cameron Brader. I mean, hopefully they've brought Gronk out of the woods, you know, so hopefully they're going to use him, but I don't really want any of the tight ends in, in Tampa Bay, just to be honest with you. Yeah, Adam, he used uh, your name there, pulling an Adam. In the future, what would you hope the action that that would be describing? What's the connection you're hoping for there? If someone says, I'm pulling an Adam. That's where that's where you're you're mixing the the beer and the and the monster. That's ass. See, that's not where my mind went. My mind went to the uh, the two a.m. nacho fries run at Taco Bell. That works as well, but I mean, normally that's you know made hand possible through right. It, they all go together. <laughs> Some other stuff. Adam. Yeah, he was Some mixing beer too. and energy drinks, and now he's getting nacho fries at Eating two a.m. Nachos on your phone, just grabbing tight ends. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That sounds like just a normal lunch break, honestly. That does, yeah. That's what a legacy you've left here, Addy. Um, what a way to be remembered. So, not, not the beer. I'm not drinking beer at work, guys. All right. Yeah, I misspoke. Yeah, I misspoke. That was last week too that they talked about uh, Adam subtly put in there. Could be listening. Could be listening. <laughs> Yeah, could be listening. Yeah, yeah I, for I sure. I could see your workplace being big into IDP. Yeah, don't dox so, me. Um, yeah, we're not going to dox you, Addy. Don't worry. Thank uh, you. We can skip, skip over Quentin Williams. I think we all agree he's a uh, not really interesting guy for IDP purposes. Finished as like the defensive tackle, like 48 or 49 or something last year in RSO. So. Uh, if somebody wants to take a chance on them, you know, good luck. Uh, but let's talk about these linebackers here. These were two guys I think are getting slept on a little bit just because this tends to happen when guys are injured and out for the entire season. So let's start with CJ Mosley. Um, don't sleep on CJ. I think there is a chance that he finishes top 12 or just outside of it. Addy, where are you coming down on CJ? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, sucks that we weren't able to see, you know, what he could do last year because he had that, that hamstring that, that ended his year early. Um, and bothered him all year long too. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely, I, I mean, it's a good thing that it, you know, hate it for him, but for fantasy players, it's, it's always nice when guys like that, uh, you know, 
come back from injury because usually they're going to be a huge value. And that's, that's going to be the case with Mosley this year. I think you're going to see him being drafted in that linebacker 16 to 20 range. Uh, and he definitely can, can outperform that draft position. Agreed. Bobby or uh, go ahead, Ben. For sure. I was just going to say, I love the point you made about, you know, when some of these elite players get a little injury, you can get that dip. Leighton Vander Esch. True, true. <laughs> but I don't even want to get into an LV talk with the big three. I don't know. <laughs> Y'all ain't big fans. I just but, feel like everyone loves LV. It's hard to get a discount because everyone loves him because he's a cowboy. Yeah, that's right. He's facts. white and he's got that big, thick neck like a tree trunk. So last year's experiment in the listener league was that I went IDP way too early. So my experiment this year is going to be, I'm just going to take all these super injury prone dudes with so much hype. So I'm going to grab CJ Mosley, LVE, Keanu Neal. I'm going to grab, I'm going to grab all these dudes. Quan, I'm going to get Quan. I'm going to have them all. Kirksey, Christian Kirksey. I'm trying to think of another safety for me. We're, we're pretty LB heavy right now. Uh, Maybe Derwin gets a discount. Okay. Yeah, that screw coming out of his foot. Forgot about that. But anyways, yeah, CJ Mosley. I mean, John Johnson, bro. There it is. Bingo. That's it. That's it, Addy. You're still paying up for John Johnson, though. CJ Mosley, you're probably getting at a discount. But maybe maybe Jonathan Abram. Yeah. I love Abrams. Yeah. Any D lineman? JJ Watt? Um, well, if, you, if you're in sleeper, uh, don't forget about uh, Bradley Chubb. Yeah, Chubb. I forget about that. Not a lot of people yeah. are on Chubb, though. People kind oh, of fading I, him. I don't like him Love if he's if he got the linebacker designation. Yeah, if he's a linebacker, no thanks. But that is one thing. Mike uh, Waller just had the edge episode a, a week or so ago, and that made me wish that RSO, you'd be able to add that edge position because it would give a lot of these guys, like Shaq Barrett is in our RSO free agent auction, and I don't think I'm going to be looking at him too seriously, even though he was like the linebacker too last year. Whereas if he had that edge designation, that's a guy that is extremely valuable. Y'all are hating that too much, though, because look at TJ Watt. Look at Bradley Chubb is a perfect example. Chandler Jones. Like, you look at their end of the year RSO, like production, it's still super high, even though they're edge with the LB designation. Like, I still want those guys. My issue is. I went down that road with Von Miller, and he actually did return a lot of really great weeks for me the year I did it. But the problem is then you're left with a dude who Von Miller was either getting me 25 a week or he was getting me zero. And so when you look at the end of the year finish, yeah, he finishes a top 12 guy, but was that as valuable as the guy who gave me 15 a week every single week? And I might be salty because Von actually lost me the championship to Josh that year by laying a dud, so... It's true. It came down to, uh, I think it was Jared Cook versus Von Miller in that uh, like week 16 Monday night game between the Broncos and Raiders. And I've never watched a game like my whole family was watching it. The whole fan family was into the RSO championship. And we were both I was like, all right, we're looking at nobody else matters. It's Von Miller. What is he doing? And Jared Cook, what is he doing? So, yeah, never forget old Von. Yeah, so, we, anyways, we, we've made that point quite a few times on this podcast where guys like that, you want them as your third or fourth linebacker, but you want those guys to get solid tackle numbers as your as your one one and two linebacker. Yep, agreed. So let's look at um, Avery Williamson. This is a guy that 
I think was going to be a little bit of maybe a sleeper, uh, kind of like, you know, IDP sharp darling here again, got hurt. So it was the, um, you know, it was just the, the, the rotating cast of characters last year, um, for the linebackers for the jets there, uh, Blake Cashman, uh, you saw James Burgess get a ton of work. So it should be a return to normalcy here with CJ Mosley and Avery Williamson. So the question here is, Addy, and I'll pose this to you first. Are we looking at a Corey Littleton, Nick Kwiatkowski situation, an Edmonds, Matt Milano situation where maybe you want to buy the guy that's a little cheaper in uh, Avery Williamson? Yeah, potentially. Um I also worry with Williamson that maybe this could be a, a, a cap casualty. He he does have a pretty big contract. Uh, I think he's making about six million a year. Um, so I I would not be surprised if that happens. So there you go. So I, I think it frees up like maybe it maybe his per year is eight million, but I think it frees up six million. Um, but yeah, I mean. He's definitely he's definitely someone that's flying under the radar right now, radar right now. But uh, I think he can he can be a linebacker three for you. So um, yeah, I love him. But you know he may get cut. But even if he gets cut, that's okay because someone's going to scoop him up because he's a good player. Yeah, and there's a chance you know it's it's um, you know by the guy who's going a little bit later that could maybe return a positive value as a t- as opposed to the negative value on the more highly drafted guy. But where's Mosley going right now? I mean, have you all seen him going in the top 12 of linebackers? I still feel no, like because no. of the injury, it's so he's deep, going later. Yeah, it's so deep that he's going like in that, you know, 16 to 20 range. Um, Ooh, okay, I may have to stick with Mosley then because I really do think great. he's going to return positively on that value. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. That that team is really strange. I mean, we we didn't write it down on the dock, but we can't forget that they uh, they were signed Neville Hewitt, and they also brought in Patrick uh, Onwuasar. So, I mean, that's kind of why I'm thinking that Williamson is going to be cut. But if not, that could be a headache there uh, after CJ Mosley. Yeah, yep. a lot so, of good guys in that room. Um, I like Cashman a ton. I think, I think he's actually a different enough linebacker from Mosley and Williamson too, where he, he can do a lot. He reminds me a lot of Matt Milano, actually. I see tons of Matt Milano and Blake Cashman. He can drop back into coverage. He can play near the ball. And so I could almost see it becoming a situation where it's not even Corey Littleton, Nick Kwiatkowski. It might turn into Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, and now Dre Greenlaw, where you're going, this is an awesome linebacker core in real life, but it's not going to be so awesome for fantasy for whichever guys end up splitting time together. Yep. Agreed. Uh, Bobby, what are your feelings on Avery Williamson? Eh. Eh. All right. I love it. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's move on here. Ben, we gave our take on Jamal Adams on the IDP nation podcast. So we're not going to rehash that here. It's a good reason to go check out that pod. If you want to get our take on the Jamal Adams situation, he sucks, Uh, but yeah, he's terrible. You should definitely trade him to one of us three. If we're in a league together. So let's get your take on Jamal Adams. Where do you see him playing this season? If he's with the jets, where do you see him finishing? What's what's your take right now? Uh, he's an absolute stud. He has been since the moment he stepped onto the field. So I see no reason not to have him at the top of your sa- safety rankings. Um, I also think he's gone. 
in a year, maybe two, I could see him being a surprise trade, a surprise cut. But I honestly think Jamal Adams is so good that he could survive almost anywhere. And I also don't think the Jets scheme is a crazy scheme where they have done a ton to make Jamal a centerpiece. I think Jamal just is so good. It doesn't matter how you scheme him. He becomes the centerpiece. And so I'm really not worried about where he ends up. But I probably want him to stay put just because I don't like change for IDP a lot less than I like it for offense. Yeah, you like the stability there. So any final takeaways on the Jets before we put a bow on this thing, fellas? You got to go, uh, go ahead, Bobby. Go ahead, well, you got to. You got to. Uh, if we if we do think that uh, Jamal Adams is going to be traded, you need to be targeting Ashton Davis because that'll be the guy that steps in and, and fills his role if he does get traded. Uh, well, let's put a bow on it here, fellas. Um, this has been a whopper of an episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed the uh, the AFC East preview. Uh, Lord Raddy, thank you uh, for joining us. Thank you for gracing us with the new intro song that will uh, our listeners will get to enjoy week in and week out from now on. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was a great time. We we definitely did not keep it to ninety seconds per player, but that's your guys's game, yeah. I guess. We don't. We never follow those rules. Yeah, you getting. <laughs> yeah, we we have the the best laid plans of mice and men go to hell pretty quickly on this pod. So, um, Ben, give us the uh, the details here. Where can people follow you on social media? And then remind us about the website launch you have coming up. Awesome. Yeah. So you can follow me at Lord Ratty on Twitter, but I'm never on that account. I pretty much do all my football stuff and social stuff through at Fantasy Guru Bro, which is the official account for the website, which is going to be up in a couple weeks. FGBros.com. Um, it really should be an interesting time. You know, there's not a ton to read and we have a real like trove of content ready to go. So we're hoping that you guys like it and we're really excited to give some exposure to some really talented writers. So awesome. We'll check that out. Uh, make sure Ben that you uh, let us know when that's going to be dropping and we'll be sure to retweet that from the big three account. And uh, so Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Addy, at Big3IDP. Hop over on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review if you haven't done so already. Consider supporting the show over on Anchor. And uh, just enjoy that drippy, beautiful new cover art and that new intro song. Yeah, and uh, everyone needs to remember that we're the most drippiest podcast in the IDP game. There's no, there's no doubt about that. No doubt. If there was any doubt, it has been put to rest uh, with this new cover art. So, thanks for joining us. Uh, make sure that you go over and subscribe to uh, the Miked Up Pod with Mike Wollert. Check that out. He's dropping about two episodes per week, and uh, we will see you guys next week. We'll be doing uh, another divisional preview here in a couple weeks, so we'll have an episode for you all next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us through what's uh, about a two-and-a-half-hour pod. We will see you guys next week. Dream team, Adam, Bobby, Josh, you got the news feed. It's the big three, it's the dream team. Big three, IDP, let's go.